general nerdery. It was a dark and stormy night when she came into our studio. The dame had legs up to her... Butt? But, yes. <laughs> I was going to say neck, and then I forgot the word neck, and I was going to say that was creepy. But anyways, hi, welcome to General Nerdery. We're your generals of nerdery. This is a podcast about liking things. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And today we have another guest with Dickie. Hello. Hello. That's Dickie. Hi, Dickie. I'm Dickie. Hello. Again, I um, brought one of my buddies, Tyler, met them about ten minutes ago. We're already having fun. I and just I've had strangers sh- into his house. It's fine. Yeah. Don't ask questions. We've already had to shut ourselves up like three times <laughs> to keep from talking too much about today's subject. You know, I was concerned about being sacrificed to dark gods, but that might be a thing of his. Although, I did just notice our friend in the corner there. He runs, uh, <laughs> he, he runs a horror movie uh, podcast, mm-hmm. and his favorite writer is H.P. Lovecraft. So, Excellent. it might still happen. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Sacrifices can always happen yeah, that's around fair. here. That's... That's just par for the course. But before that, I've got news. You've got news. Hit us with some news. We've got news. I tried to keep the news light because I knew that we were going to have a guest. Well, and our our recording was weird this time because usually we have a week in between, but I last saw you on Saturday. It's Monday now, so I was worried we were going to have two weeks of news. So I think luckily most of these things are things that I can kind of just bring up, but don't be afraid. I mean, if we end up talking about some of them, we end up talking about them. Us get distracted? Never. Right? Um... Utmost professionals in here, yeah? <laughs> oh, before we do news. Oh, okay, before news. Dickie, oh. what are your nerd credentials? Oh, boy. Oh, good call. Yeah, okay, well. <laughs> Tell us about yourself, Dickie. Um, there's a lot of things, I guess. Well, I've known Zach uh, since high school. Yeah. Part of that being a Belgarth Medieval Combat Society, or at the time, Dagger Here. Uh, even before that, I met you through people who played Dance Dance yeah, Revolution. Yeah, true, at the arcade. Jesse and Randy and... 2003. Yes. Showing my age there. Yes. Nice. Um, but yeah, yeah, we played Wacky Bats Revolution. together. There go. Wacky Bats. I have. I don't think I've read a non, or a, yeah, nonfiction book since I was like a kid in high school. Yeah. <laughs> you got done, and they were like, "No, you're done." Okay. I, listen, I'm all about bettering myself, but I'd rather do it with entertaining fiction. <laughs> um. Jeez, oh, what else? I consume lots of nerdery media. Yeah. Video games. Comic books. I work at a uh, at our local comic book shop. I was gonna say you work at fucking Muse. Yeah, like Muse comics and games. <laughs> shout out to Jason Benner and Yay. Scott Phillips. Yay! Shout out to Jason. I, I love, I Jason. love Muse. He's <laughs> like Muse is one of my safe places in yep. town. When I was in high school, the owner at the time threatened to charge me rent. <laughs> is that Amanda? Yeah. Yep. Well, there you go. That's pretty much handles my nerd cred. Sweet. Yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> working at the local comic book store is <laughs> you play pretty high Magic cred. The Gathering. I do. Yes. You. Uh, that's why I got brought into that job. I play Warhammer. Before that, I played War Machine, which is another miniatures mm-hmm. war game. Nice. Right. Uh, what army for Warhammer? Uh, currently, I have the most of Tau, but I've also played some Blood Angels of the Space Marines. Uh, I've got a small smattering of uh, Craft World Eldar, but I've only played a couple games with them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always just curious. I, I've never played, but I love the lore, so just hearing what that, people dig on. That's kind of what brought me in, uh, and it's it's fun to build a, a fluffy army list where you're like <laughs> you don't you're not there to win, you're there to like this is what a Blood Angels battalion looks like. <laughs> this is what my Blood Angels battalion uh, looks like. <laughs> Malark on my other podcast is determined to get me to play 40k, and I really need to because we discuss 40k semi regularly mm-hmm. there, and I'm usually just like, yeah. <laughs> 
That sounds great. That boy inherited but, my Dark Angels. I also <laughs> used to play Dark Angels. Uh, <laughs> man, it, it is just a time-consuming hobby. It is. And a money-consuming <laughs> hobby. Well, while on the topic of 40K, I'm going to throw out Ave Dominus Nox. All hail the Lords of Night. Yep. <laughs> All right. All right. News. News. Okay. Uh, the Cassian Andor series is going to start filming later this year for Disney+. Plus. That's the Rogue One Star Wars guy. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. I liked Rogue One. Give me more Rogue One style stuff. Right, yeah. And that kind of also confirms for sure, for sure, that we're getting a Cassian series. So. Which is sweet. It's also very interesting seeing Star Wars in your party, as it were, that doesn't have a Jedi. There's no Jedi. It's one of the nice things about yeah. Rogue One and Solo. Mm-hmm. It's the, the side story is the only time we fucking get that. Yep. Taika's Akira has been put off for at least two years thanks really? to Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, thank God. Okay. I'm sorry. Taika Waititi is maybe the one person that could do Akira, but I just don't feel like we need a live-action Akira. I don't think so. I, I, I'm, and, I, and I try not to do that, but there's some things I'm just like... Will I watch it? Probably. Probably. Do you think putting it off two years will make it better? I think it's going to die a slow death as more interesting or more easier. Not that I mean, he does difficult stuff, but he's going to do Thor, and they're talking about doing some Star Wars, and they're he's going to keep wanting to do whatever weird, interesting shit he does anyways, like Jojo mm-hmm. Rabbit. I feel like this is getting shelved without admitting it's getting shelved. I could see that happening. I could also see this being his weird project to do, though. Yeah, but it's going to be big budget still. That's like, true. And I have a feeling that he's going to continue to want to do... Not that Jojo Rabbit was small budget, but not... Smaller. Yeah, but not like action movie big holy shit budget. Yeah, far more arty. Mm-hmm. Arty. Indie. What else do I got here? Oh, on the, on the arty side, uh, we just had... Parasite win a whole ton of awards. It did. And apparently HBO is going to be doing a spin-off series of Parasite, and they're looking at our current Hulk, Mark Ruffalo, to be one of the leads. Very cool. Interesting. I uh, I don't really pay attention to the Oscars, but I was watching some stuff on this, and they kept asking him stuff like, well, why did you do this in Korean? Because it's, like, it's a fucking Korean movie, yeah. guys. Like, this is not hard. Uh, I have not seen Parasite. Me neither. But... It is incredible. All I need in my life is the director looking down at his Oscar just as, like, the proudest dad of all time. Like, no, no. oh my god, I'm holding this. My That's favorite incredible. is he got two Oscars and he made them kiss. I didn't see that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, he gets two Oscars and apparently one of the first things he does when he sits down no, is start playing with them. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bong Joon-ho was adorable. Uh, that entire ceremony. I have seen Parasite. I would say Parasite is my favorite movie of last year. Um, and maybe one of my... You I were mean, selling it, it really hard. It maybe jumped into like my top five all time almost immediately. Wow. There's a lot of excellent uh, foreign movies out there that Americans generally don't consume because our, our Hollywood is just such a big machine. Mm. Churns out stuff constantly. That's what people are watching. So, oh, and we do not like other languages. Like true. As a culture... When Hero came out, people were like, I have to read for two hours? What is this? <laughs> Movie's incredible. Movie um, Hero's fantastic. I feel bad because there's so many great subtitled movies, but I am not good at just sitting down and watching a movie. I do other mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, I doodle. I work on an art project. I play with my phone way more than I should fucking admit to. It's why I uh, haven't watched My Hero Academia yet. I, I read it. I'll lend you the manga if nice. you want to. It's... 
I hear it's good stuff. I like the manga a little better. I watched the first episode and I felt like I was having a stroke. Like, it was just... <laughs> I'm not used to the pacing of anime. That's mm. fair. <laughs> um, yeah, Parasite, big recommend. I'm not sure about them doing a spinoff, but whatever. Mark Ruffalo's cool. It yeah, Mark Ruffalo's in. great, so it has a chance, but like... White guy spinoff of Japanese horror, or, or uh, not Japanese, Asian horror, sorry, it's South Korean, traditionally doesn't go great. Right, and I know that Bong Joon-ho considers Parasite to be his most Korean movie. Well, I'm told it's commentary on Korea, so white it's, guying it up is risky choice, but who knows? Maybe it, it might be a commentary on Korea, but I think it kind of applies worldwide. Watching it, it's like, oh, that seems yeah, be... this is the system that we're currently stuck in. Yeah, the the running narrative is that it, it's easily applied to what's going on in the U.S. Yeah. It's also noteworthy that when they announce, we're going to do this project, there is a 50-50 chance that that project is not, not. happening. I would say better chances of it happening Winning two after... Oscars is pretty good, yeah. Or four? Four, oh, Jesus. Total? Um, Winning a buttload of Oscars increases the chances. Best picture, best director, best foreign, and I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure it got one other. Good God, man. Did good work. Yeah. I think it's also better chances after they just had so much success with Watchmen and currently are having a lot of success with Outsider. Yeah, let's do weird, dark shit. (laughs) While we're on the subject of the Oscars, I wanted to bring this up uh, just because I know it'll make you happy as well. Oh. Because Joker was nominated for so many things, there was times where they had to shout out creators and such, and uh, the DC movie was credited as being based on characters by Bob Kane, Bill Finger, hey, and Jerry Robinson. Fuck yeah, they, they got did all it. three of them. All right. Oh, I mean, people who have listened to this podcast, so not you, That's fine. Uh, <laughs> have have heard me rant about this before, but fuck Bob Kane. Yes, I'm familiar and with the uh, the. And controversy regarding Bob Kane. complete lack of giving credit to people who deserve it. And Jerry Robinson and Bill Finger absolutely need credit for the creation of the Joker. So, so that was more God. That was more news just for you. Yes, thank what? you. That makes... Mm. When I saw that, I was like, I know how I'll make Zack's day a little that bit brighter. That does my nerd heart good. <laughs> I also haven't seen Joker. Neither have I. <laughs> um, we were... Joker's all right. White guy gets mad. I'm sorry. I'm I'm apparently not feeling white dudes I mean, today. But I, I uh, love Joaquin Phoenix, but I also don't care about the Joker. Yeah, that's it. That's entirely. And everything I've heard is Joaquin Phoenix freaking kills it. Yep. But the rest of the movie is. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. It's not bad by we've, any means. We've seen variations of it before. Mm. Across at at least as long as if you see uh, if you've seen Taxi Driver, King of Comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm of the opinion that Joker should be tabled for like five years. Mm. We don't see the Joker in movies, cartoons, comic books. The Joker is at his like best and most intimidating and off-putting and frightening when we haven't seen him for a long time, and he shows up and screws with the Bat Family. In the New Fifty Two, they in the first issue of Detective Comics, he disappeared and they didn't use him for a year or two. And Joker being notably missing was really unnerving. Because mm-hmm. um, you just... It builds up an anticipation. Well, What's he going to do? <laughs> the the Thor comic got cancelled, I don't know, a couple of years before uh, Civil War. And they did not use Thor at all. Cool. And Thor being missing was a big part of the world. And you felt it. This, this is Civil War 1, Civil War 1, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, and then, that was pretty great. Thor comes back shortly after Civil War, and when he came back, there was a splash. You cared. Yes. 
This was was he mad about the whole cool. thing? Oh, he was so pissed. He yeah. beat the crap out of Tony Stark. It was <laughs> one of my favorite things. Uh, Tony Stark was such a fascist in Civil War. Oh, yes. I, I, I was mad how good Iron Man movie was because I was like, fuck, I like Tony Stark now. God <laughs> damn you. Ah, <laughs> oh, that RDJ charm got to you. But yes, I agree. Don't. It, it is a okay thing to not use a character for a while mm-hmm. and let them build up again. Mm-hmm. And especially with the Joker. Let him build mystery. Yep. Yeah, Why just... is there no Joker? Oh, look, there's Joker. <laughs> yeah, uh, when Joker goes quiet, that's when you worry. So, like... Uh, have either of you watched uh, the toys that made us or the movies that made us up on Netflix? I have been told are... they're amazing. They but... are. Not only are they amazing, I it took me a while to get into them because I had, first off, just a lot of other shit to watch. As one does. And I, but then I kept having people that I wasn't expecting to be into it be like, oh no, I watched it last night and I could not help but watch every episode of The Toys That Made Us. And I was like, oh, you're normally not into this at all. That's amazing. And then, so I watched an entire season like a week ago. It was, it is incredible. Uh, they are making a documentary called Ignite the Spark, The Story of Magic the Gathering. That's very exciting to me on a personal <laughs> <level>. <laughs> That game kills fucking friendships. <laughs> Uh, Listen, that's it's, that's it's the it's news. A fine mechanic. Deal with it. <laughs> I, I don't even know what that means. Hey, I have what not did you say? Years. Infect is a fine mechanic. <laughs> I both hate and love that you said that. <laughs> uh, when when someone told me once, if you can't do fifty damage by your second turn, why are you even playing? I was like, I don't think this game is for me. I go because <laughs> I because I run mill as a win. Oh, I do <laughs> still have my mill deck somewhere. Listen, I'm just here to win with Lab Maniac or Jace, Wielder of Mysteries. <laughs> Deck myself and then win the game. <sighs> Anti-mill strategy. <laughs> oh, please. Please mill me. This will be great. Nope. <laughs> I hate you so much just because my main deck's a mill, but... That's, uh, that's the news, though. They're making it. That's exciting. Because that they are cool. fantastic documentary makers. And as much as I give shit to Magic the Gathering, it is a really like major and dedicated part of the nerd world that I had a lot of love for for a long time. So, yes, that's actually, I'm sure that's fucking fascinating. Right before we got into this, we watched two trailers. Mm-hmm. So, first, The Green Knight. Based off a of King Arthur legend. Yes. It's Gawain, yes? Yes, Gawain yes. and The Green Knight, which... Arguably, I'm not. Gawain might technically predate Arthur. He uh, is one of those characters that gets mixed in with Welsh mythology quite a bit. So it's kind of hard. Arthurian to... legend because I've I've put some time into this, and I still can't give you an answer. Tracking down Arthurian legend is hard because it's stories. A lot of them were oral stories too, told over the course of like 500 years before. Arthur, as we know him, starts coming together in, like, Le Mort d'Arthur, which was written by a dude in prison, because he had nothing better to yep. do. Uh, Thomas, Sir Thomas Mallory. Uh, well, and you have weird things, like, at a certain point, it was only the church writing things down. So, uh, at one point, the, the Guinevere uh, betraying Arthur got played up, because the monks that were writing it down at the time were having a very big discussion about whether women even had souls Uh, and Lancelot is sort of based off Tristan and Isolde but later versions of Tristan and Isolde have Arthur in them so there's two Lancelots in this like Mm -hmm. it's very interesting how Arthur's character changes based on what story is being told as well 
when yeah. when when uh, Guinevere and Lancelot, yeah, right. I'm not crazy. Okay, are are getting together. Lancelot's like a bad husband who doesn't pay enough attention to his wife and his family and is only being kingy and stuff. Arthur is a bad husband. That one. <laughs> <laughs> but when the story is focused on him as a protagonist, he's like uh, uh, what's the best it? of the best. Yeah, he's the pinnacle of like a human being. Uh, not quite as be. best of the best as, like, Galahad. Yeah, not from, quite. From <laughs> what I understand, part of that comes from who was writing it. Mm-hmm. When the Brits were writing the stories, it was largely about how fucking great Arthur was. When the French were, because the French also loved Arthur's stories, were oh, writing yes. it, it was mostly about how he was kind of a shitty British king. <laughs> uh, and it was with, their with chance to, like, weird shit. backs to Rome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, their chance to, like, poke at the Brits being like ha, 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 your king got cuckolded because <laughs> they loved Lancelot I mean he yes. was yes. French he was Brittany mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't from the island originally uh, and it was during Lancelot becoming more popular that Gawain's popularity faded partially because he was also more connected to the old pagan gods yes um, the Green Knight story as I very abbreviated as I understand it. And again, it's one, it's King Arthur, so there's like six versions of this story. Easy. Is Gawain is traveling, he comes to this... No, before that, the Green Knight shows up and he's like, I will let anyone hit me, and then in one year I get to hit them back the same way. And so Gawain's like, yeah, well, sure, dude. Like, I'll just kill him and that won't be a problem <laughs> for me. Fucking cut off his head. <laughs> And he cuts off his head, and then Green Knight picks his head back up, puts it back on, and he's like, good job, I'll see you in a year! And he's like, uh... <laughs> so he... Oh, jeez, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> he, he travels and ends up at this castle to, like, meet the knight, and he befriends the lord, and the lord's like, anything someone gives to you, you should also give to me! And he's like, yeah, sure, dude, whatever, but then, like... The king, or the the lord's wife keeps, like, sneaking into his bedroom at night, being like, Hey, what's up? Let's make out. <laughs> and so, like, she'd kiss him, and he'd have to go kiss the lord the next day, and, like, couldn't tell him why, and the lord's being like, but What? <laughs> what's happening here? Hey, ex- uh, excuse me, my lord, I have something for you. The, <laughs> the Myths and Legends podcast does a really great retelling of Gawain. Yes. Um, which is where I know most of this from. Mm-hmm. And just Arthurian legends in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, really check out Myths and Legends. I mean, it's a huge podcast, so... Shout out to Jason and Carissa Weiser. Yeah! So I'm really curious, because the, the trailer makes this look like a horror, and the Gawain story is so hilarious to me, and just the bizarreness of it. Like, how are they going to I think it's interesting that that's that? the tale they chose to tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Green Knight, like, cut off his head, and he's like, I'll see you in a year... That's creepy. Yes, like that's very much so. It can be done. I'm and it, it's a twenty four, and they've been knocking it out of the park lately. So. I I don't know anything else that they do, but there's a big one. Oh, the witch. Okay, yeah. You can, you can't see this because this is not a visual media. But he pointed at a poster of the witch. That's right. I got Black Philip on both sides of me. <laughs> and they've also did like recently. It was like uncut gems from the Safdie Bros. I've heard amazing things about uncut gems. Like Adam Sandler proved he could act still. Kind mm-hmm. of good things. Um, actually, that was an A twenty four flick too. Tusk. Yeah. Okay, you have to stop pointing at posters <laughs> without telling people. It's not one of their classier joints, but <laughs> no, uh, Kevin Smith getting really high. <laughs> <laughs> but lately, they've been putting out just a bunch of 
classy movies, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, more highbrow, horror-esque, anxiety-driven-esque. Oh, I hate it. Everything I don't I like, like it, everything I, I can't it. watch. <laughs> uh, I'm excited. I'm sure you are. We were watching Birds of Prey and some weird... The Woman in the Window. The Woman in the Window came up and you kept giving me these like really excited looks. I'm like, it looks great. It looks like I would fucking despise watching it, but like, I'm sure it's well done. <laughs> One thing we talk about a lot in this podcast is I don't have to like everything for it to be good. It's like true. Iron Mask trailer. <laughs> God. I, I said this during the trailer and I'm going to say it now. I feel like that movie is running on star power. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. Goofy star power. I, th- I think it's based off Dumont's Iron Mask. It looks Above? like it. Could we you did see a gentleman in an Iron Mask. Was that then Jason Fleming? Possibly. Yeah, that was the guy from Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Oh boy. Yeah. I think. Anyway, I haven't seen that movie in a couple of years. It's been a very long time for me. Arnie <laughs> and Jackie Chan. Yeah. That's very exciting. And we don't even think that they're a major part of the movie, but they just like kept putting them up front because if you want to sell a movie... I mean, the reason I watched that trailer was I heard Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jackie Chan were fighting. I'm like, yep. I don't fucking see that. Well, like, also, <laughs> when you brought up the trailer, the first, or the two videos that we saw first, one was Arnold dead center, and one was Jackie Chan dead center. <laughs> yeah. Like, there they are. And <laughs> with, I suspect the movie has almost nothing to do with the two of mm-hmm. them. Because after their fight in the trailer, you saw nothing else. <laughs> like, Also, I'm going to guess this movie makes about $750 million worldwide. You think it's going to do good? That's fair. Uh, I think Jackie Chan in it alone gives it international appeal, yeah. especially in China, the second largest market on earth. It looks cheesy as all get out. The CGI does not look very good. Oh no, it if... looks worse than like uh, like a generation ago Assassin's Creed cutscene backgrounds. Ah, good. But <laughs> if they lean into it, like if they accept that this is a weird, cheesy, doofy, campy movie, they could actually make a really fun movie based off of let's have an adventure on the Silk Road and let's have Jackie Chan and Arnold Schwarzenegger fight in the Tower of London. Yeah. You actually sent this to me earlier this mm-hmm. week. Uh, we got the first peek of Robert Pattinson in the Batsuit. I haven't kind seen of, it yet. Kind of. Very... Very little. It's a screen test. It's I, like in dark red light. People like are it saying is, it looks like the Daredevil Netflix show, just a little bit. It's mostly the dark red light. <laughs> I think okay. that does that, and because okay. all the all the glow off it is off a of red light, so it looks kind of the the suit looks kind of red. Mm-hmm. I think it looks fine. It's one of those things that they have hinted so little at us. Like, we see mostly his chest and a little bit of his head, but I don't even think we see the full mask. Well, and that seems to be but, the most interesting bit that people have picked out so far the uh the bat symbol on his chest it's not a hundred percent clear but it appears to be made from pieces of the gun interesting i did not catch that watching this on my phone that's either going to be kind of cool or it is going to be the most like try hard grim dark shit i've ever seen in my life well, notably, uh, it'll never in... be Nick Cage as uh, Superman, though. Don't worry. Wasn't it? Wasn't it just that like picture. a few months ago they did the the uh, Detective Comics issue a thousand, where they had a bunch of like small Batman vignettes in there? Yeah, they they brought in a bunch of big name Batman storytellers. They did it with action, with Action Comics recently too, mm-hmm. and in... some of them were really good, and some of them were kind of forgettable. 
the one that Kevin Smith did with Jim Lee had Batman melting down the gun and inserting it into the chest plate for bulletproof purposes. Oh yeah, right. I remember that now. That's that was good. I liked that one. Yeah, it was, it was a little tryhardy, but that's okay. Kevin Smith I want makes fun tryhardy comics. Bad. You want what? I want a tangent right now, real bad. Go ahead. Tangent. <laughs> it's on. also very spoilery for a comic book that just came out. Guys, you've been warned. Yep. Skip yep. forward five right. minutes if you don't want a spoiler All about right. a comic we haven't revealed yet. Uh, Alfred Pennyworth. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. he fucking... He's Dungeon Rings. Uh, I mean... They also took out Bane. I care less about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they released a comic called Alfred R.I.P., so, like, yeah. it is... They are not being subtle about the fact that Al died. No, that's true. I also do not think that it is going to last three years, even. It's like, a comic book. In the world of comic books, they bring characters back all the time. Alfred died in the 50s. I did not know that. Uh, after Professor Wortham wrote Seduction of the Innocent, and there were these huge oh, right. congressional hearings about, oh my god, comics are ruining today's youth, and Batman and Robin are a gay couple. Was he still, like, was like, portly Alfred at that point? Yeah. Okay. And I was like, the bigger problem if they're a gay couple is not that they're gay, but that that would be pedophilic as hell, man. Like, yes. you're focusing on the wrong thing here. But their solution to this... To, to make it not, oh my god, they're gay, is to kill the butler and then have Dick's Aunt Harriet move in with them. Oh, I forgot about Aunt Harriet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they killed the butler, and then a few years later they wanted to bring him back, so they introduced this villain called The Outsider. Ah. And he was Alfred Pennyworth brought back to life, gone evil. Oh. <laughs> and then, like, that's all I know. my mustache. I way. have not... Ever found these issues? I don't think they've reprinted. They've they've hinted once or twice, like Earth Two. Alfred is is the outsider, the outsider, or Earth Three, whatever the evil one is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they they don't really like to share Batman comics from the fifties because they're fucking unhinged. Have they ever done the Outsider versus the Outsiders? Ooh. They had Alfred running the Outsiders once. <laughs> like Batman <laughs> dies, and they're like, "What the fuck do we do?" And Alfred's like, "Oh, I guess I'm gonna just like." Give you guys your missions now. Uh, have fun doing this. I'll I have real cheese when you're done. Green Arrow's <laughs> joining to be like your new Batman substitute, but I'm still going to tell you what to do. Is this when Batman's dead or when he's falling through time? Uh, falling through time, okay. but everyone thought he was dead. This yes. is right. Batman R.I.P. and then uh, the return of Bruce Wayne. Yes. And the, the, the Grant Morrison years where it went right off the rails. Oh, I love there was some, Morrison. There was <laughs> some too. really good Batman during that time, but it also went right the fuck off the rails. <laughs> like, a teaser that we forgot to watch beforehand, mm. and I haven't watched because I'm not caught up on the series anyway, so it would have meant nothing to me, but they did release the Stranger Things 4 teaser. Yes, they did. And it showed Hopper so alive, and everyone was surprised, except no one was, because no one actually believed they were going to kill their biggest star. That... And he needed work again after Hellboy, because that did not do well. He's in Black Widow. I know. He looks a lot of fun in Black Widow. as like, like fat old Red Guardian. Obviously. He was a lot of fun in Hellboy. It was not his fault that that movie didn't do well. Although I think he won a Razzie for it still. Or at least was nominated. Yeah, it's not his fault, though. <laughs> he was a lot of fun. They should not have even tried to adapt that storyline. That's David Harbour, right? Mm-hmm. He seems like a guy that legitimately enjoys what he does. And that can save even a bad... Not even save, but can save a role in even a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Like... It can make you look at it fondly instead of... Uh, like it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> a 
This is fun. So they announced the voice cast for Kevin Smith's Netflix Masters of the Universe series. Which made me actually want to watch yes. Masters of the Universe for yes. literally the first time in my life. I mean, I'll take what we can get because we can't reverse time and put Dolph Lundgren back in. Right. So oh, Masters of the Universe is terrible. <laughs> Masters of the Universe Revelation will pick up from where the old cartoon left off. Oh, good. Really? Yes. This is a continuation of the old cartoon. Excellent. And okay. we have. Uh, Mark Hamill as Skeletor. That's that's it. That's all I needed. All I right. was like, yeah. time to watch this. Man's incredible. Can... Uh, Lena oh. Headey is uh, Evil Lynn. All right. She was evil Cersei Game of Thrones, wasn't yes. she? Yes. And Sarah Connor. Yes. And right. Mama. Yeah. Oh, she was fucking great in uh, Dread. Oh, I loved Dread. No. Lena Headey's great. She's, she's the best. Uh, she was also in the 1994 live-action Jungle Book. Oh, really? And she was in 300. She was the... Uh, she was Spartan, Queen Gorga. Spartan, come back with your shield or on it, lady. Mm-hmm. Spartan, come back. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Chris Wood is Prince can... Adam. I can't remember which one. Which is Chris Wood? Do you guys know who Chris Wood is? I'm I can't remember. He's not James Woods. Go. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> James Woods is fucking nuts. Oh, Chris Wood is Monel in Supergirl. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Chris Woods. I don't think it was your fault that I hated you. Which means he's also uh, Mr. Melissa Benoist. Oh, is he actually married to her? Yeah. Oh, good for him. And they got married by uh, Martian Manhunter. Nice. Oh, my God. I move. <laughs> I love the CW shows. I do, too. They're often terrible, but I love them. Arrow's done. I'm sad about it. I haven't watched it in like three years, and I'm sad that Arrow is done. It sounds like a lot of people did. <laughs> uh, Geek History Lesson did a really good retrospective episode on the series, though. So. If you haven't listened to it, you should. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar is Tila. Yep. That made me so excited. Uh, Liam Cunningham is Man at Arms. Uh, good old Sir Davos. Uh, Stephen Root is Cringer, which that made me super happy. As long as he finds some way to ask for a fucking red swing line stapler, I'll be all about it. Uh, Diedrich Bader has trap jaw. <laughs> I, uh, because I've been watching Harley Quinn, I've, I've just been really appreciating Diedrich Bader lately. And the fact that he did like the lightest, happiest Batman and the fucking like darkest, raunchiest Batman at the same time. Excellent. Like, he is my second favorite. Uh, animated He's, Batman he makes voice. A very good Batman voice. Who was your first favorite? Conroy. Kevin Conroy. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. We're professionals here. <laughs> Griffin Newman is Orko. I don't know who that is. Arthur from The Tick. Oh, oh yes. I thought you were going to say, like, the voice actor who played Arthur in the old PBS television show. Oh, I like, no. What's... I would also be down for that. <laughs> like, uh, Arthur, what happened to you? Uh, well, that's good. I, I approve. I'm sure I'm going to insult somebody by saying I don't know who Tiffany Smith is, but she's playing Andra. You guys know Tiffany Smith? Nope. No, but okay. I'm also bad at names. Yeah. Henry Rollins is Triclops. Interesting. Okay. Um, and I'm trying to see who else are some interesting... Alicia Silverstone is Queen Marlena. What? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Smith has a lot of friends, and Netflix has a lot of money. All right. Speaking of Kevin Smith's friends, uh, Justin Long is Roboto. I, I, I knew there was going to be... Just, uh, not Justin Long specifically, but Kevin Smith buddies. All right, now who's Jason Mewes playing? Uh, Stinkor. Wow, that was your joke. <laughs> I was making a joke there. <laughs> uh, Phil Lamar is Hero. Okay. I like Phil Lamar. I do too. He, Love did, Phil uh, Lamar. he did 
Samurai Jack, right? Like he's done. Well, a yes, lot but everything. <laughs> I loved an interview with him where he's like, "I love playing Samurai Jack. It is the easiest." And I just go, "Yes, or, no, no." Or, I see. And then they pay me. <laughs> like <laughs> Tony Todd is Scareglow. Okay, nice. Uh, Kevin Michael Richardson is Beastman. Kevin Conroy as Merman. Kevin Conroy? We have two Batmans in here. <laughs> Yay! Oh, I saw a picture of oh, them. That's great. Of him I think with we the... have two Jokers, too, because I believe Kevin Michael Richardson has actually been now, a Joker voice as well. This this is a this is a voiced-over movie. It's not yes. a live-action. I didn't think so. Okay. I would have still watched yes. it. <laughs> Kevin Conroy's live-action Merman? Yes. I'm <laughs> I, like, I don't actually know what Kevin Conroy looks like. I have no idea. I just recognize that sweet, buttery voice. And uh, Harley Quinn Smith as Alina. He puts her okay. in everything now. That's fine. I mean, it's his daughter. They enjoy working together. Uh, and the news this week that made me cry and what we'll probably just end it off with. Yeah. Rick Moranis is coming back. For, he is? For Shrunk, the Honey I Shrunk the Kids. He, he's coming out of retirement now that his kids are grown up. Yeah. I mean, that's why he stepped out. He wanted to take care of his family after his wife passed. Right. Oh, I don't have, back, the, Seymour. I don't have the same appreciation for Rick Moranis that a lot of people do, but it still made me really happy to well, hear it. Well, it's because you have like, no heart. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Uh, uh, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. It, it was always touching to me that he stepped away for the reasons he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Rick Moranis. I just didn't always like his that's fair. work mm-hmm. as much. I mean, what are your feelings on Little Shop of Horrors? That's probably it. Uh, I liked Little Shop, but I did choir and i liked it and everyone else fucking loved it well i mean the good news here is that we don't have to end over a decade's worth of friendship right now (laughs) (laughs) nobody knows for sure what the synopsis is going to be but his uh his confirming that he's going to be in it uh seems to shore up the reports that it's going to be about uh him pulling away and becoming more estranged from his kids after he can't use his shrinking technology to cure his wife's cancer. Jesus Christ. Whew! <laughs> it's like when you were telling me about that dark peewee Herman where he becomes a pill addict. Oh, like, God. <laughs> so who knows if that's real? If it is, it's going to be heartbreaking. Yeah, we'll <laughs> but mm. uh, Josh Gad will be playing his grown-up son. That's pretty great. And I love Josh Gad. Uh, it's going to be directed by Joe Johnston, who you may remember from directing The Rocketeer. And Captain America, the first Avenger, and he Very created cool. Boba mm-hmm. Fett. Like, I fucking love Joe Johnston. Yeah. Uh, that's all I'm, I'm going to come with for news. Sweet. I approve. I approve. <laughs> it's a good note to end on. Um, yeah, super happy about that. So, past news, what do we have before Dresden? Uh, what media have you been ingesting this week? What media have you been ingesting this week, guys? You told me you had a couple of them. Yeah, I've got a few. Well, so I took a deep dive back into Monster Hunter World recently on the video game front. It's been a blast. Really good time. They had a big DLC get released, which was basically an entire expansion. Oh, nice. Um, brought in a bunch of old classic monsters that were really exciting to see back in the game uh, with a lot of cool new mechanics. Yeah, it's just been a lot of fun. Otherwise... I've been reading um, Dr. Afra from the Ooh, Star Wars nice. comic book lines. They, they just ended the run on that with, I want to say, 48 issues. Dr. Afra is probably the best thing Disney has done with Star Wars, as far as it's, I'm concerned. It's, it's been really good. Um, I, I just finished uh, volume two of all of it so far. The, the last volume, which I think is seven or eight, 
is coming out this month. There's a new series coming out too. They, Exciting. They, they're ending all the Star Wars lines and then they're skipping to after Empire Strikes Back. Very cool. Because all the books up to now have been the space in between mm-hmm. New Hope and Empire. Very good. That's exciting news. I like that. Um, but that that book has been really great. Really excited to pick up the third one and get reading on that. Um, and then, what else? I feel like I had a third thing. That's it's escaped me. Yeah. Pass. <laughs> Tyler. Uh, to continue what I've been saying for like the past month, anyway, still a whole lot of Red Dead Redemption Two, which is really funny because I'm getting towards the end and I'm getting excited to start being able to pick up Monster Hunter World. It's a great game. Uh, I started playing it a little bit back in the summer. Uh, really started liking it, played around with a couple of the weapons, but then just got too sucked into other games. The big one for me this week, and I don't know, I don't know how I had not ever listened to these guys before, but I've been listening to a ton of Ball Sagoth. Um, I don't know what that is. I know, but this is gonna, you're gonna like this. You're not gonna like this. It probably won't actually be up your musical alley. Ah, okay, we're talking about music. I am more aware than I was before. Uh, they're a symphonic black metal band from England uh, whose main inspiration is uh, Robert E. Howard, H.P. Lovecraft, Clark Ashton Smith. Okay. I and love how one... big of fucking nerds metalheads are <laughs> yes. for people who try to be so like doom and gloom and death and hardcore. Like... I mean, that's my favorite part about Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Screaming about hobbits and stuff. <laughs> uh, they actually got their name from a Robert E. Howard short story, The Gods of Balsagoth. I thought that sounded It familiar. sounded like an old gaudy name. Or uh, Balsag, my... to be honest with you. All right. like, I, I, it was we either going to be really dirty or old ones. That's like... that's <laughs> uh, and it's, I really like symphonic metal anyway, not as much into the black metal side, but some of their older stuff verges a little bit more on death metal. So it's all been kind of up my alley musically. But the astounding thing that I wanted to bring up was the name of their songs. Okay. Their song names are incredible. Here's here's a couple examples. Uh, and lo, when the Imperium marches against Golkathoth, then dark sorcery shall enshroud the citadel of the Obsidian Crown. Oh my god. <laughs> See, Episode 8. We need to bring back <laughs> epic titles for songs. <laughs> uh, Black dragons soar among the... Oh. Black dragons soar above the mountains of shadows. Excellent. Uh, in raven-haunted forests of Darkenhold, where shadows reign and the hues of sunlight never dance. The splendor of a thousand swords gleaming beneath the blazon of the Hyper- Hyperborean Empire. I think I've felt that after being the sole survivor in a field fight at Chaos Wars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that title. Of the I am a god! Yes. <laughs> and like, yeah. The Dreamer in the Catacombs of Ur, stuff like that. The, the titles of their songs are all incredible if you like symphonic metal. It's pretty sick. It's really, really good, actually. I've been super into them all week. So. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Do you, do you have anything else? I mean, just... I'm super emotionally invested in Red Dead Redemption 2 right now. <laughs> and trying like to months. knock off some like bucket list <laughs> things for Arthur before a certain point in the story. So... <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I most of what I've been doing the last week has been Harley Quinn or Birds of Prey. Both are really good. Uh, not going to go into too much because the last episode was that. I will say in our last episode I talked about Harley Quinn not doing well financially, but it was pointed out to me it had about the same budget as Ford versus Ferrari, and it's made about as much, maybe a little more than Ford versus Ferrari has this far. Ford versus Ferrari is considered this big amazing hit. 
Harley Quinn keeps being talked about how terribly it's doing. It's underperforming. Uh, I think, but I was going to say, I think part of that comes from just sexism, to be honest with you. It's Probably. A, a female director, female cast for the most part. Mm. Uh, and I, I think that's kind of bullshit, to be honest with you. I don't want to correct myself a little bit. Uh, and then also just, it's a big superhero action movie, so if it's making less than a billion dollars, they're just like, this is terrible. Like, uh, Shut up, man. You made $80 million in two weeks. <laughs> like, uh, My third one came back. Oh, please, hit me. Uh, X-Men my... Evolutions. Oh, high school X-Men cartoon. X-Men. Yes, where you took all the grit out of Wolverine and made him X-Men daddy. Teal'c uh, from Stargate played Magneto. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's... Some of the okay. Like God of War played Magneto. I, I forgot how yeah. great some of the character design actually was in that show. Mm. When you first see Magneto in silhouette with just a little bit of his color, it's it looks great. And then later you get to see him with his uh, mask off, and you get to see Magneto, the insane yet charismatic cult leader, when he's trying to uh, perfectly invo- uh, evolve Alex and Scott Summers. Uh... <laughs> X-Men Evolutions is where X-23, where Laura Kinney from Logan, first appeared. Yes. Like, really excited to get there. She... And I've seen it. It's a fine episode. It's it's not amazing. It's not terrible. But, like, if nothing else, that... I mean, it was a good series, and it really deserves credit for introducing one of Marvel's more interesting creations um, of the last... Part of the reason years. I wanted to start watching again was because of X-23. As you remember a while back... I just blew you up while I was reading some X-23 stories. I love it when you dive into nerd <laughs> stuff. You started watching Smallville and I get like four texts a day being like, Ah! Ah! <laughs> Chloe Sullivan! Yep. Like, oh god, Chloe Sullivan. Jeez. <laughs> uh, let's not talk about that. We've she, talked about it a her, couple times her, here, we know. Her, <laughs> that actress, she got she got dark. Things went dark for Alison Mack, sorry. Uh, anyways. Oof. Mm. I never actually finished that series. It's okay, it's not very good. Yeah. Um, I love it, but it's not very good. I'm not, I mean, I think that's all we have for that. Well, though. he was that's talking. It, right? Oh, yeah. oh, I'm good. I, I, You're okay, good? good? I got one more. Okay. And I might faux pas the name here because I had it up on my phone and then I left my phone in my apartment. That so, happened. But uh, 1176 a, uh, BC, 1176 BC, the year society collapsed or something like that. It is, it's an audiobook is how I'm listening to it, but it's a, you know, novel, not novel, nonfiction book about the collapse of the Bronze Age in uh, 1176 BC. It's the invasion of the Sea Peoples. It's ancient Egypt. It is the, uh, the, the Trojan War era. It is the fall of, it, it is all this stuff of bef- like oldest recorded history that we really have and talking about how put together that world really was in ways that we don't think of it. When we think of ancient Egypt, we kind of think of it as like in a void. Like there's ancient Egypt, but we don't, the world around it's not really connected. We kind of assume that people okay. weren't really crossing oceans or seas to go trade with people. And it turns out they didn't just have that, they had embassies. Like, hmm. it, it is, the, the world was modern in a way that we would connect with today that it wasn't again for thousands of years after this collapse. And it's talking about the build-up and then the collapse and what happened. And it was... It was all the League of Assassins, right? League of Assassins <laughs> and climate change and the invasion of the Sea Peoples. Um, it is nonfiction. It is 
pretty, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of stuff about this era in history because I love this era in history, but it is pretty intro-friendly. I mean, it's still, again, nonfiction talking about 3,000-year-old empires, but it is not like, and then in 1472, they, un like, they digested <laughs> this book and blah, 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 blah. Like, it, it, it's interesting. It's friendly. It's, okay. Yeah. And I like, to I, I like to recommend stuff that is different than what we normally do here. So I have to recommend something other than comics sometimes. That's fair. <laughs> Not often. I, this all still... I mean, everything you were saying, though, still sounds like one of Ra's al Ghul's plans. So. Yeah, well, I have a theme, man. <laughs> I would say Apocalypse, but I'm more on the Marvel side of the yeah. comic book world anyways. He is ancient Egypt. I, I yeah. did think of him That's a, a lot. Yeah. They've, they, they've got this story because they, they told us <laughs> a story of Ramses II, it, how Egypt described him winning this battle, and in it, literally, Ramses is like, my army's running away, so I'm going to charge down 25 hundred chariots on my own and win uh and they probably did actually win this battle but it was certainly not ramses being like i'm a fucking god but it was the egyptian style but i was like yep that'd be the greatest fucking little like comic story like holy <laughs> shit i would read that <laughs> um, and then apocalypse shows up perfect yes. uh, and he was or, ramses the whole time i was about to say that <laughs> <laughs> and sabanur was secretly ramses oh that's right. pretty great. Uh, God, should we just get on to some Dresden let's, then? Let's take a quick oh. break, and then let's jump into some Dresden. Let's do that. Alright. Dresden Files. That's why we're all here today. So it's another one that we tend to pick episodes or episode topics a couple weeks in advance, and we try to put it to stuff that we know is relatively connected to like things that are coming out soon and we're really good at like picking something and then like a week later a big announcement comes out so in the week since we decided this one they announced the next the the release date of the next book yes which all of us fans have been it's, heavily it's, it's anticipated. 14 16 16 no is it 14 i don't know it has been somewhere it's between been four to six years it's been a while it's been half a decade Yes. Uh, you looked it up. When are, when's the new book coming out? Oh, God. I was so confident earlier. July 14th. <laughs> July 14th. Peace talks. You know it's not going to lead to peace. No. It, it, Mark Listen, is going to be... I trust Jim Butcher explicitly. If you watch his Q&As, people ask questions that are kind of spoilery, and he's like, everything's going to be fine. It's called peace talks. They're going to sit down and settle out all their differences. It'll be fine. <laughs> and you know what? Why would he lie? Why would he lie to us? That's good. <laughs> okay, so... Today, we're going to focus mostly on Summer Night. We looked at going at... This is book four. We looked at going mm -hmm. earlier, but the early books aren't very good. I think this is an excellent choice, actually, because we really start to... Jim Butcher has really finally, like, learned what he wants this character and, like, kind of his world to be. Uh, Harry Dresden himself is in a, like, big-time transitional period. He's kind of had a status quo with, like, spikes of odd things happening. But now it's, like... His world's been flipped upside down in a couple very major ways. So I think this is a really excellent place to start. And I think, well, and that's the thing, like, it's four books into the series, but this is really the book that sets up the rest of the series after this. This is the first book that was written after the books, previous books started coming out. He wrote Stormfront, 
as a, like, his, his college teacher got him to do it, and he's like, I'm gonna prove this college teacher that he was wrong, and he'll make a bad book. She was wrong. She was wrong, thank um, you. Yes, he's like, I'm gonna fill out your sheets, I'm gonna do everything cookie-cutter right and show you what kind of trite bullshit comes out of this. <laughs> and she was right. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, teachers know things. But... He wrote this one, and then he wrote, uh, what is it, Full Moon and Blood Rites? Uh, Blood Rites is correct. Uh, I, I, Grave Peril. Grave, Grave Peril. Blood Rites is next. Before, Death, Mask Death Mask is next. Is next. And then Blood Rites is right here. Uh, but he, he was on the third one by the time the first one was published. So this was the first time I heard he'd actually, like gotten some fan response i think and like and really had a better idea and it introduces the fairies Mm -hmm. which is probably the best part of the dresden file i mean it's it's tough to say they're interesting in the regard that they're not direct antagonists but usually anytime harry gets involved with the fae he's on one side of them it's from this point on it's going to set a trend it's he's being uh, recruited by Winter, essentially. Yeah. Um, and that means the opponents are what people consider to be, like, the good guys of, of fairy kind, and that's the Summer Court. Or, I guess they didn't introduce the fairies in this one. The Lianchi had appeared in the previous book. Correct. His, his godmother. This is our introduction to, to fairy at large. Yes. Yes. So, let's lay down some basics. This is, even though it's the fourth book in the series, this is a good intro point, so let's lay it down as an intro point for these people. Who the fuck is Harry Dresden? Ah, Harry Dresden is Chicago's one and only professional wizard. He's in the Yellow Pages. He is in the Yellow Pages. Under Under Wizards. Wizards. Nobody else on there. Yeah, he was a... Lost his parents when he was young. He was adopted by a... What he later learned was a former warden of the uh, White Council of Wizards. And a dark wizard. And a dark wizard. Uh, Him and Elaine, who is his foster sister, and also his... uh, I believe in the books he calls his first everything. Mm -hmm. Um, He was... Sucker punched by Elaine was her name, who turned out to be under uh, Justin Dumorn, uh, the dark wizard that we're talking about here, under his control. Uh, tried to get Harry in there as well. He ran away, got help from his literal fairy godmother, the Leonanchi, and uh, was able to also fight off a greater demon that we later find out is maybe more than a demon. Mm. Um, and <laughs> amusingly, the, the power-up he got from his fairy godmother was... The strength within him the whole time. Uh, and and then he got picked up by the White Council and put on trial for mm, killing a mortal with magic, which is a big no-no in the wizarding world, as it were. Uh, and then he's raised by Ebenezer McCoy, who we meet here mm-hmm. for the first time. I really enjoy the character of Ebenezer. Yep, same uh, here. This is the first time Harry and, and we as, as the audience and seeing through his lens also get to see an actual council of the wizards as well. Yeah. yeah. Last time he had a mask on. He had a black bag over his head. Uh, before we dive too far into the book, what were your guys' introductions to the Dresden Files? Where where did it start for you? Uh, for me, it started with the books because I heard awesome things about it for some other nerds that I worked with, mm-hmm. basically. And they're like, yeah, this guy's... A- like, they they knew that like I'm the type that tends to like every RPG I play I tend to go magic user Tyler, first stuff. <laughs> yeah. Was that Tyler, relatively you look... recently? Like when did you first? Uh, I would have been oh Jesus at this point I guess it would have been uh, at least ten years ago because mm-hmm. um, it would have been while I still worked at Kmart so oh wow was that place haunted I always felt like that place no. was haunted no 
I wish it was. It would have been a lot more interesting. <laughs> what about you, Becky? Uh, well, I'm gonna give you a better date, real here or real quick here, because I I know it was right before Skin Game came out. Jeez, when was that published? Do do do. Well, uh, and actually, despite the fact that Jim Butcher is probably my favorite author these days, and I've reread most of this series, maybe a dozen times at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I. 2014, there you go, that's when I, around the time that I first learned about the books and started reading them, but a mutual friend of ours, Mike Simonson, aka Da Wraith, oh, I love Da Wraith. Um, came to Missoula all the way from, I don't, I don't remember where he was living at the time. Washington or California, he came up, was, he went multiple states. Yeah, I want to say it was Washington, um, but he found, he found out that Jim Butcher was going to be at our local uh, NerdCon, MissCon, and... Came all the way to see him and get some books signed and meet him and stuff. And I was like, well, geez, if Darith is going to travel that far for, like, somebody's books, I should check it out. Uh, unfortunately, I then discovered... Well, I actually didn't start reading him for a little bit after that. Um, but I was like, I'm going to check this out at some point. Mm-hmm. On the way back from a sword fighting event for Belagarth, uh, I was in the van with Sleuth, Hakan, Divot, and Meg... And Divot had brought a copy of Full or Full Moon with him. Mm-hmm. And I went, that's a Dresden Files book. I'm going to give it a shot. And I read almost the entire book on the way back from the event. Well, and <laughs> before this, you used to read Anita Blake Vampire Not used lady. to. I still read Anita Blake. <laughs> but yes. like, I'm a sucker for modern fantasy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This was fan. always kind of in your yeah. wheelhouse. Of... Anita Blake was the beginning of it. And then I got into her other series um, that is about... Uh, Instead of covering like vampires and more traditional monsters, it, it involved like the fairy courts and things like that. Okay. Also, a very interesting read and still ongoing. Uh, but yeah, then I then I eventually was like, you know what? It's probably in the same wheelhouse. And actually, Jim Butcher also wanted to put the Dresden verse in um, St. Louis, and his teacher said, "No, <laughs> you can't do that. That's where that's where Laurel K. Hamilton's hanging out. There's no way you're going to be able to step in those grounds. Yeah, <laughs> literally anywhere else is better." <laughs> Uh, let's see, where did I... I came in through the TV show. My first experience was Paul Blackthorne, which is a great name for someone to play. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Isn't he English? I don't think so. Every act, every time I've ever seen anything with him, he uses the same accent. Okay, but Ooh, like... I think he might be, though. Uh, okay, great. Awesome. <laughs> I'm not positive. I'm going to look this up. I, I don't While know. you talk um, about it, I'm going to look it up. That name's I... heckin' English, though. <laughs> In high school, I when I spent the night at my mom's house, you know, parents divorced, yep. skip back and forth, I would spend... It, awesome. was, it was a little bit out of town, so I'd spend Friday nights watching uh, Sci-Fi Channel, so... He's English. Huh? Great. There you go. That's a very English name. Uh, so I'd watch, you know, like, SG-1 and Eureka, and then Dresden Files was on afterwards, and I'm like, I'm sure, not, not doing anything. <laughs> and it was pretty fun. And I have a higher appreciation for the TV show, even though it is not good. It is, I th- want to say 2007. Something like that. Uh, the, the, the aughts sci-fi channel original series. Like, that is setting up for failure if you were looking for legitimately thoughtful, high-quality television. But there was some kind of fun stuff from it. And I thought that even if everything else was a disaster, Paul Blackthorne played a very good Dresden. Mm-hmm. And that was great. my buddy Anders lent me the book, and then someone else gave me the audiobooks, and James Marsden does the, all the audiobooks, so Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. And he 
kills it. He is so good. I've heard only good things about the audiobooks. So I still good. haven't listened to him. So, uh, <laughs> I listened to the audiobook for... Um, oh, no. It's his second short story anthology. Okay, it's very, no, it's very good. James Marsden in the, in, in the audiobook of this one, because I was listening to it just to prep for this... There's, there's a bit in the book where Harry Dresden's being held up by his neck. Mm-hmm. And so he has him talking like this, like he's being choked. <laughs> and then he talks about dropping the back of his neck. And he goes, oh wait, he was being held from the back. Fuck. <laughs> and then like redoes the line without the talking like this. And for some reason the editor left that in the audio book. Oh, really? That's <laughs> like it, it's it's not a like deleted scenes. They just were like It's just in there. I'm gonna keep that. Yeah. <laughs> like everything else was so great. I Let's don't just... know if the editor was just really bad at their job or if they're like, uh, that's too perfect. <laughs> like So we established who Harry is. Yes. If someone how how do you describe this series to someone you're trying to sell it on? Hard. I mean, they say hard-boiled detective fiction. That's not a, really a phrase I would use, but like it's kind of trashy detective. That's what I would use for the first three. It is enough to at least sell the character. I mean, as I said, it goes kind of weird, but like uh, noir detective thriller meets wizards meets fantasy. Mm-hmm. Eventually, all guided by the rule of cool. Yeah. To epic, epic yes. proportions. Uh, the, the fantasy gets much bigger as it goes along, especially as his powers get stronger. Because every book ends with him barely surviving, but like a Saiyan from DBZ being stronger because of it. Right. If nothing else, because he's like, well, that didn't work. Something, <laughs> something very interesting in the in that series is that everybody who has magical talent has. It's not like oh, I've unlocked a, another power that I didn't know was there before. It's not mm-hmm. like a shonen anime. Right, he's not Goku uh, achieving Super Saiyan and so on and so forth. Um, it's everybody that has magical talent has this amount. This, they can fill this this cup that I'm putting in front of you guys that our audience can totally see. Again, mm-hmm. podcasting is a visual medium, famously. Uh, <laughs> but it's more about uh, as as our series goes on. Except he gets he does get kind of an artificial power boost later in the series. Yeah. But it's say, all explained. Can we just say blanket spoilers? Yeah, well? blank, blanket spoilers. Like, we're gonna try not to spoil too far ahead. I would okay. think. But, but this is also the most recent book came out like five years ago. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's okay. exactly That's okay. <laughs> six years ago. It turns out six years ago. Yeah. Um, so the interesting thing is that it's just that as you get older, as the wizards get older, they get better at using what they have. Yeah. That's the interesting thing. So while we're reading these books, it feels like Harry's getting more powerful. It's not necessarily true. It's just that he's becoming better at using what he using has. his resources. Yeah. Which is he, very he, interesting. Uh, he'll start with a tool, like he'll make a shield, and then it's okay. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh fuck, they're coming at me from two sides in one book. And by the next book, he's been like, I should have a shield yeah. that works on both sides. Mm-hmm. And then like fire comes and he's like, Oh, this does not do elemental damage. Well, fuck. Yeah. That, did, that well, this, backfired on this me. This only stops kinetic forces. I need it to handle, like, this. Elements. Uh, elements. Specifically. So, yes, it's after... kind of... It, it's not necessarily Ouch. power-ups of, like, and now he's level six. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's like, well, that didn't work. Let's um, try this again. Largely when he has new... He also crafts a lot of magical devices, which I find interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, through a big part of the series, he has a single ring. That every time it, he moves his arm, it holds a little bit of that kinetic energy in it. And then so he can, when he hits you with it... No, well, sort of. Not, like, punch you, but he unleashes it, and then, like, 
send someone flying or something flying. And then later in the books, he's like, now I've got one on each finger. <laughs> I've got ten rings yeah. now. Bring it on. Um, now these rings have multiple coils. Yeah, and exactly. I start each morning by boxing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just... So he likes to make a lot of things, uh, which I find interesting. And then his excellent lab assistant as mm-hmm. well. Or he picks up running because he's tired of getting winded while trying to escape yeah. the monsters. So yep. he's like, I'm just going to jog every day. <laughs> like, oh. I'm very realistic progression for something ultimately not realistic yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the early books, trashy but fun. By later books, I think his writing is legitimately pretty good. Largely by this book is when we really start to see it, too. Yeah, as, as we're saying. Um, I do find it funny. My sister texted me recently and was like, would the Tristan Files be appropriate for Evan? Evan is my, like, eight-year-old nephew. And I'm like, I don't think so. And she's like, oh, he read Jurassic Park. Like, violence isn't a problem. I'm like, yeah, but this writer cannot stop writing about the tips of her breasts. <laughs> Every book. This is the first book where it only comes up once instead of, was... like, six times. Uh, his writing gets a lot... He leans into a lot less of the, like, trashy noir a little <laughs> a, bit from this point on. A lot of like... Dresden's early work... Or Dresden's, jeez. Uh, Butcher's early work pops up on... Uh, there is a subreddit called... Uh, Men writing women. Yes, and, <laughs> uh, there's quite a bit of stuff from his early works in there. <laughs> I was gonna say this is also in around three or four is when women stopped just being plot devices mm-hmm. and started being characters. Because mm-hmm. he in the especially in the first two books, Karen Murphy was very much like told how badass she was as opposed to showing that yes. she was a person who was really cool. And by this book. She legitimately is really awesome and a really interesting character mm-hmm. as opposed to cardboard cutout. Yes. Tough yeah. sergeant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, not quite cardboard cutout tough sergeant because she at least had the five foot nothing uh, mm-hmm. blonde. Yeah, but there was also a whole lot of like going. stereotypical <laughs> tough girl. I'm going to like, I'm cute, but I'm going to prove I'm not going <laughs> on there. Like, By the time we get to this book, it's, it, it's interesting because in this one... Now she is suffering from She's some hardcore psychic trauma uh, by, from at the time, somebody she thought she trusted, which was Dresden. Mm-hmm. Uh, a monster in the previous book had taken her, or taken his shape yep. and kind of molested her, which is not my favorite plot point. He but like, mind molested her. Uh, but yeah, basically woke up like all of her nightmares and made her live them over and over again. Yeah, and so she had Largely this, a theme throughout the previous book. She had this really traumatic experience, and her plot point in this one was mm-hmm. confronting the supernatural after this huge trauma and learning how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, God, there's a lot of things brought up in... This is such a good book for somebody to start it up. It really is. Oh, There's so much... Well, because you get the... Technically, the Vampire War has already started, mm-hmm. but this is where you first see how they're dealing what with that it. Means. Like, on a we should wider the picture level. of what's going what's on. What's starting here. Because this is the beginning of a lot of things. Uh, at the end of the last book, Harry went to go rescue his captured uh, girlfriend, partner, girlfriend oh. what have you. So uh, maybe Susan Rodriguez. One of the things that maybe hey. we should point out... Uh, for a broad sense of the universe is the way that I've always sort of tried to sell this series a little bit to people is if you can think of something that was really cool in like classic fantasy literature or something from myths or folk tales, it He's exists. He's going to try to work it in there. It's yeah. true. It's it true. might not exist in the form that you're 
currently thinking of. Yes, but it one hundred percent. He's amazing. <laughs> um, so vampires exist. Not yes. only do they exist, but you have dusk to dawn vampires, you have Dracula vampires, and you have psychic vampires. I find it to be a really interesting take on on vampires. You also have the the hopping vampires, but they only show up in one book. Yes. Uh, and Not even in any of the main series books. They're in the comic books, aren't they? And then you have the graphic novels. Werewolves. One of them shows up um, at the oh. party where he meets oh, Thomas for the first You're time. Right. You're uh, right. And and then that. there is <laughs> dragons, which I assume are going to come up because they set them up as a big thing, and then you never meet them. The, the rumor has it we'll be seeing a lot of of big time dragon in peace talks because it's one of the representatives oh, okay. of that, the that's like, what, nations. Like Parthenax or something I don't like remember. that? I don't I think that's from I'm Skyrim. a bad fan. I'm sorry. Uh, um, and fairies exist. Fairies exist. Yes. Not only do they exist, but the queens are Titania and Mab. Like mm. Yeah, it is very and, William and, Shakespeare fairies. Yes, and Mab is the queen of air and darkness. <laughs> yep. uh, and then there's werewolves and there's not just werewolves, there's like five different kinds of werewolves. Yeah, it is uh, yes. He set Hexenwolf, up, there's the Lugaroo, there's... He set up a world where any kind of story he wanted to tell was fair game. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty smart move, I think, to Santa not... Santa exists. Yeah. Yes. To, to not <laughs> limit yourself on, like, this is how werewolves work, but this is how one version of werewolves yes. work. Spoiler, Santa's a badass. Yes, Santa's <laughs> super One cool. of the best parts of <laughs> Santa and Odin are old buddies, like, yep. uh... Well... That's getting very spoilery. <laughs> I'm not going farther than that. Uh, we, we, book that came out five years ago. Yes, man. that's and true. This book that's came true. out 15 years ago. Yeah, that, that particular book came out quite a bit ago. Um, so, But anyways, he uh, goes to save Susan Rodriguez, but she gets partially turned into a yes. vampire kind of dampier to, style. To become a vampire of the Red Court, uh, they, they essentially infect you. As far as it's known in the universe, there's no known cure for it. Um, but... Redcord vampires are not... They, they still drink blood, but they are actually a monstrous bat-like creature. They're dusted on vampires. Yes. But you don't fully transform until you feed yourself. Yes. And she hasn't done that, so he's like, it's still possible to save her! Ha And that's what he has been obsessing over for, I want to say it's been nine months at this and point. have really rough sex in the meantime. Yes. That comes up later, but... That's, but, that's, uh, that's in two books. <laughs> it's, it's when the, uh, the Denarian show up. Yeah. Harry's sex life is... Next book. Yes. Harry's sex life is a very large part of this series, <laughs> and it's usually Or him. lack thereof. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say, it's usually him not having a sex life. It's actually amusing how often it's used as a temptation against him. I listened to this at work originally, and then I was really quickly like, I can't listen to this here because in any time, like, the one scene where they mentioned the tips of her breasts is when the boss would be like, start walking down the hallway and be like, turn it down, turn it down. Like, um... <laughs> That's what the earbuds are for. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to a lot of Anita. Well, I you are not mask. supposed Anita to do Blade that books. at work at my work, but uh, I hope they don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean like you're not supposed to wear earbuds, so that's why I was listening to it out loud. Oh, got but, it. But so, anyways, at this point, he's a fucking wreck. The war has started. Vampires yeah. are trying to kill him all the we, fucking time. We should say that in the process of trying to rescue Susan successfully, uh, he literally just, starts a war. Yes, he <laughs> he. Well, essentially, uh, they're. They set him up to do this, essentially. Mm-hmm. But he burns down... I want to say she was a duchess of the, I, of the court. I believe you're right. Yes. I think she was a duchess. A uh, red court vampire, and mm-hmm. uh, who was newly brought up to the nobility as well of the She the was court. pissed at him because of the first book. Yes. And sets up this like revenge thing of like... You can start a war or save the woman you love, thinking that he's going to sacrifice the woman he loves, and like... 
No. Probably off himself in the process. Yes. Uh, now, unfortunately, when he does this, he uses his favorite evocation, which is fire. It's his quick and dirty <laughs> offensive magic, and he's very upset, and part of magic is it being uh, fueled by your emotions. So, since he's very upset about what's been going on down here, uh, they also... They never explicitly say it, but he got tortured by the Red Court as well uh, when he failed to rescue her, essentially, the first mm-hmm. time. Um, but also killed some mortals on accident. They were in the building that he burned down. He Liz Sherman that shit. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so the Summer Night starts off with a rain of toads. Rain of frogs from the sky. And they're real. Stuff. They are real. He was hoping they were something from the Never Never, which is the spirit world. Yeah, fairies fucking around, and instead it's real toads, and he's like, oh no, something's bad. Yes. Uh, and here's where we meet, not meet, because you are in full moon, but Billy the Werewolf, who is one of my favorite characters yes. of this. I Honestly, my favorite part of the Dresden Files is not Dresden, but Dresden's buddies. His buddies ground him in reality. Uh, Billy the Werewolf, for or Michael Knight of the Cross, or Sansa Knight of the Cross. <laughs> Just the Knights of the Cross. All the Knights of the Cross are so uh, great. Yes. Um, and Butters. I, yeah, Waldo yep. Butters. Um, I did not like Billy and Full Moon, and you're not really supposed not to, supposed but they're to. like... They're they're just kids. They're these edgy nerds. They're like, we've become werewolves. We have to go underworld yeah. this shit. Like, And they're wearing like bad leather, and it was... In the parlance of the world, they're minor talents. Yes. As, as someone who was a high schooler in the early 2000s, it very accurately summed up <laughs> what being edgy and cool. It was like bad Matrix knockoff. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, at this point, they have really realized that there are bad things that go bump in the night. They're university students, and they've kind of taken it upon themselves to handle the minor supernatural bad guys that are around the Chicago's. If there's university. a troll hanging out under the bridge or something yeah, like that, and they'll this, go. At this point, there's still like 20 or something of them. There's a bunch of They call themselves the Alphas. They're starting and, to all get cut from being wolves yeah. half the time. Billy's yeah. absolutely jacked. <laughs> Instead of fighting with the I girl, I never wanted to be a werewolf in more. a relationship with the girl, being like, "All right, yeah, we were yep. just romance arguing." Yeah. Instead of like, <laughs> something that we need to remember is that if they're going to be a regular in uh, Harry's life, they're probably hot man or woman, and bad things will <laughs> probably happen to them. Yes, Harry's life is kind of like uh, CW casting a little bit. It's like James Bond. We go into this for action and beautiful people. Like, plot isn't always the biggest part of why we're doing this. Um, so let's see. Reign of Frogs, they're real. Harry survives a assassination attempt. By a thanks ghoul. To, from a ghoul. Yes, yes, thanks to the help of uh, uh, Billy the Werewolf. And that kind of paints our scene. Yeah. And I don't know like how much we want to go like scene by scene by scene by scene. No. It's a full novel. We do not no. have time for that. There's right? a lot of things. We've touched on all of them a little bit, so we probably don't have to say too much about them, but there are a lot of things that are brought up for the first time because of the circumstance. Mm-hmm. We mentioned the Vampire War brings out not just the Council of Wizards, but the Senior Council as well for the first time. Mm-hmm. So you get to run into Ebenezer McCoy, who I really want to talk about a bunch of spoilers about Ebenezer because oh, yeah. he's one of the I coolest think... characters of all time, but... I also feel that grumpy they're... old man wizard is always great. I think our next scene is kind of important for the, these first three like scenes. Well, you have Nab. Yeah, exactly. Nab is huge. Billy <laughs> set up a meeting with Harry uh, for a client because he hasn't been working and he needs, he needs to work or he's going to get evicted from everything. Yeah. Um, and he goes, "Okay, fine, I'll do I'll do it." He was angry at first, and while he's meeting with the lady, he gets a hunch and 
realizes it's a, a, a fairy of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it is slowly revealed that it is Mab, the queen of air and darkness, queen of the winter court. And One of the six most powerful fairies in all of existence. And Harry, arguably the Which most. also makes his ruse to bring her out a lot more dangerous to him than yes. he really He points expected. a gun at her and then throws a nail? Uh, I don't think he even points the gun. I think he just no, rolls he, it. No, I, I listen. He, he pulls okay. out a gun okay. because she's, he's like, sit down here. I need to test the theory. She's like, what are you doing? And he's like, shut up. And he flicks the nail at her and she's just like, oh shit, iron. Yes. And uh, we, we find out that the Leonanshi, who was had a, a debt owed uh, from Harry, mm-hmm. has essentially sold her debt to the queen uh, to equal out a change in the balance of power between the two of them. And uh, Harry is not thrilled about this. But essentially, she has a case for him, and it's to solve a murder and return what was stolen. And she really doesn't give him any more information than that, and now it's on to the Council of Wizards. <laughs> uh, that does bring up, though, for the first time... Well. Do we get really for the first time the unseely versus seely ideas uh, yes. in this one? We do. They mentioned in previous ones that there were the two courts, but mm-hmm. they they spent no time on it because it was really unimportant to. It it was that enough one. that now that they show up, we're like, oh, we've heard about these. Yeah, and should be concerned. A lot of times he'll do an introduction a book or two before, and it's just enough to get an idea that it exists in this world, and then they'll dive into it. Yeah, we know that Auntie Leah is. You know, one of the unseelie she of the Winter Court. Mm-hmm. I think this is when we first find out how high up in the court she is, though. Yes, this she's one. basically number two to Mab, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Or well, uh, below the, the queens, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, but her amassed power still kind of puts her on level of a lady, almost. Mm-hmm. Especially because she does her own scheming to she get does. more she does. power. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> anyone who has ever read anything about fairies... There's always it scheming. knows what to expect. They're scheming everywhere. I, I find it very interesting that there always has to be a balance, though. Like, she does get more power, but it's kind of ultimately... Inev- or not, not It's inevitable. the queen's power still kind of anyway. Yeah, if she has too much power, the queen's like, gimme. They still have to maintain a balance, because that's just that's how the Fae are. There's balance in everything, outside of, like, from one court to the other, to inner court stuff. You know, this. If if I am in one of the the fake courts, no matter what I do, I'm essentially always kind of gonna be in the same spot. Yeah, yeah. I really like the whole council segment. It's really great. I really like watching the. I like the politic, the Sealy politics, and the wizard politics. I like the wizard politics a little more. I, do I think too. Also, as I was reading this, I every not reading, listening to this, I just envisioned. Morgan, the the uh, he's like second in command of the the wardens. Wardens is the word I was yes. forgetting. I want to say watchers, and that's not correct. No, they are essentially um, the police force of the White Council. I just kept seeing Henry Cavill as the Witcher the entire time because he's well. That's gonna be in my head forever now. <laughs> <laughs> With the little smiley face on the hilt on his sword too. <laughs> well, because he's got that. the 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 long white hair in both of yes. them, and the so despite how he's described in the books. The one thing I took away from the TV show is you I see always Black I, I see Black Morgan. I, I did until <gasps> really? this one. That's awesome. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, Morgan, who is essentially Harry's parole officer. Yeah, but he's like <laughs> directly villainous in this one. Like yes. the world almost yeah. dies because uh, because Morgan's a shitbird. Morgan is never. Morgan is definitely being set up by the Mar- Merlin in this one. In yeah, well, it's but, because he's the Merlin's lackey at first, mm-hmm. but like later on when he's like. Hey, this is bigger than we expected. I need help, and Morgan's oh, yeah. just like, "No, go fuck yourself!" Like, that was 
Honestly, I felt like that was bad writing, almost. Like, Morgan was just so directly insane there, as opposed to... I don't think so. Because, the as we get later in the series, uh, there's one particular book where we get some very big insights into Morgan's character. And reading that, and thinking back on that, Summer Night is one of the few books I haven't read more than, like, maybe two times until now. Mm-hmm. Um, and... This might have been seven for me. Yeah. I think it was... Th- Three or four for me. Again, I've listened to the audiobooks like um, twice. Seeing seeing how he reacts to the stuff that Harry does, uh, especially considering Harry essentially just started a war um, for one woman, and to to Morgan, that's that's absolutely bananas. Uh, the, the The balance of power in the magical world, the supernatural world, is more important than one person or two people. And Morgan very much believes in that. He also very much believes that magic should be used only for the good. Never bad. It's he. He's got a very black and white thought process on it. And yeah, but if you were anything remotely gray, anything less than murder is unacceptable. Like, <laughs> I, just, I don't like the more. I don't like Morgan. That's I okay. Just, <laughs> it's all right. And you're not supposed to. But yeah, I, you're just, not, I was about to say you're not supposed to. So that's understandable. He's just, like, he's not a villain, but he's just he's, he's definitely an antagonist. Villain, and I just don't <laughs> think he's that interesting. Unfortunately, like. I'm sorry, I'm being really hard on it here. It's okay. I really like these books. That's I am, okay. I think he's interesting in the fact that he's such an effective pawn for the people above him. Mm-hmm. I will give it, he is more interesting later on when, spoiler, Harry becomes a warden and he suddenly has to deal with him on a much more even level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it forces him to have character plot point other than raving fucking madman, which is what he is in this one. Uh, we've mentioned Merlin a couple times. It's not the Merlin. It's the Merlin as a title. He's he's essentially the head of the White Council. The original Merlin was the first Merlin, I want to say. Yeah, correct. So, like, he, he formed the, the White Council, mm-hmm. which is what the officially recognized body of the wizards good guy is, wizards. which I don't think we ever said. They're only good guy wizards. The Black Council does not exist. Uh-huh. And there is the Grey Council, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I was about, neither uh, does the Grey. <laughs> uh, basically, they need an alliance with Winter to to save themselves in the so war they don't the get red flanked court. all the time uh and the red court's <laughs> offering like if you give us harry dresden like, we'll just maybe. call it off which is obviously bullshit but a bunch Very of scared so. old man wizards are like you know i love how they set up who offered that oh yes the suing for peace too. it's very good it was duke ortega oh yeah. right who's big in the next book mm-hmm. again he's very good at introducing something one book and then the next book mm-hmm. actually using that um and so a bunch of scared old wizards are like, sure, we'll do pre-World War II against Germany. Like, and I'm sure it'll go fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Harry Dresden has to either accomplish this goal for Mab and win the right to have an ally with the Winter Court, or he is going to be given to the Red Court. It yes. is very fucking cutthroat. Yes. Uh, and it all hinges on the Gatekeeper. I love the Gatekeeper. Oh, Rashid. Rashid. Wizard Rashid. He's... The only, the only wizard on the council taller than Harry. <laughs> I, I think he's one of the more interesting characters in the book. Very much You so. don't get much from him on this one. Does You they... don't get how interesting he is till way later. But he's already, like, he's but enigmatic. he's mysterious. He's textbook enigmatic. <laughs> um, he always enables things, though. Whenever he shows up... It's something lead... interesting will happen. Yeah, it, it leads to cool things happening, that's mm-hmm. the best I can say. Um, but yeah, so, so Harry's off and he's got to solve a murder so that, uh, maybe a war can be averted 
or at least or not, never mind war's at, on at this point at least so that they're so not crushed immediately yeah. yeah also this queen can just wreck his life if she wants to like yep. they've tried to make deals to make it not that bad but it's a fairy queen like if she wants to screw she you made over, him stab himself in the hand yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then final little bit of this book just because there's not enough shit happening no. in harry's life at this point elaine pops back up elaine being he thought she was dead his, his first, first everything yeah his first girlfriend his he talks a lot about how much they used to have sex in this book like they don't say it too much it's but not it's, it's not explicit though which i think is very important at this point the really explicit and we went to dot 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 bed yes <laughs> and did dot 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 other things <laughs> and now i'm gonna take a cold shower like it's, See, it's not like, explicit but it's explicit. you say it like that but i always read it as and then we went to bed <laughs> that's that's how i've always imagined that's fair i haven't listened to the audiobook so i don't have fine whispering into my ear <laughs> finds out that she's alive finds out that she was under possession when mm-hmm. betraying him. He'd always thought... Enthralled. That, yeah. Yes. Uh, he had always thought that she just straight up betrayed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone's like, Harry, you're falling apart here. And her especially being like, Harry, dude. A big part dude, of this... Harry. A big part of this book is Harry getting his shit back together, essentially. Yeah. Like, he can work to try and save his girlfriend mm-hmm. from the Red Court. He can, But he still has to be a part of this world. Yes. Uh, that's why I always like when we get to see his his friends, essentially. Mm-hmm. They're also his allies. They're there in times of need. But really what they're there for, outside of like his support, is that they they ground him. They keep him living his life, even when he doesn't necessarily want to. Um, <laughs> I talked in the Superman episode about how much I love the Daily Planet cast, because mm-hmm. they keep Superman mm-hmm. grounded and human and give it something to do other than, now I'm going to punch the big thing. Mm-hmm this Dresden is the same way. If you don't yeah. have those side cast members, and sometimes they're plot devices and sometimes not, uh, it Harry gets two in his own head and bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Also kind of Doctor Who-ish. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of a trope of sci-fi and fantasy, mm-hmm. but that's okay because it can be done really well. After running into Elaine, we also run into Bob for the first time in this book. Yes. Bob the Skull. Probably the most popular character in the fandom, I think. My, my favorite is how often, though, he will address his, his own misnomer of calling it Bob the Skull. It's actually Bob the uh, spirit of intellect that resides within this skull. <laughs> it's much easier to say Bob the Skull and Lab Assistant, however. Uh, this is where, I mean, Bob is always super pervy, but this is where it stops being a little less, like... Bob gets to go out, and then bad, like, and, and then, then weird, pervy things happen, <laughs> and I think this is another one where he was like, wow, God, I need to, like... Maybe tone that back a little mm-hmm. bit. I need to write women like they're people, and not just, like... Mm-hmm. So Bob gets his pervy corner. He does. Yeah. And a couple comments, He's got. he's, got, he's good. <laughs> he's got some smutty books, he's got Justine's ribbon, <laughs> bunch of candles, it's fine. Bob especially for most of the series, is basically just his computer because technology yeah. doesn't work around magic. Yes. Wizards admit essentially what is a Murphy field. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you can own, like, anything post-World War II, Korea War era yeah. doesn't work very well. Um, I love in the TV show, because in the book, his car is the Blue Beetle, which just makes me happy anyways, because yep. Blue Beetle is one of my favorite superheroes. And Elaine calls him out for the reference to the Blue Beetle as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> And but they they couldn't do a beetle in the TV series because partly just because Paul Blackthorne is so tall, 
that it made rec- uh, filming really difficult, and then it was That's just funny. difficult anyways because fitting a camera and a tall person in a Volkswagen Beetle at the same time was yeah. impossible. So they used an old Korean War era Jeep. Oh, that's funny. Which I, I also really loved. I, uh, it looked, it was a very good visually. A better utility vehicle. <laughs> but I really loved the Blue Beetle and spoilers, when the Blue Beetle is finally destroyed beyond repair, I had to like stop for a moment and be like, it was oh rough. boy. That, yeah, that was the goal of that book. If <laughs> maybe someday we'll do a super spoiler episode on changes, which is the book that changes. It, it's an aptly named book. Yes, even the even the title of the book itself is a change, which is yeah. very interesting. All all the rules of Dresden Files kind of get broken in that the book. First sentence of that book made my mouth fall open. Everyone. Every, it did everybody. I had been spoiled by it because all of them were out already. But I, I can't imagine the people who had to wait for the book after oh, yeah. changes. I just was able to... I like, had to wait for like a... What the fuck? Next book! <laughs> I had to wait for like a month and I was like, oh, you sons of bitches. I, like, uh, I had to wait. I read a lot of... <laughs> I read a lot of books on my phone. Uh, yeah. With uh, Apple iPhone... Or Apple iBooks. And uh, I've got a few hundred on there. But I finished changes and I was like, next! Alright! <laughs> can't... My buddy gonna, that was, was lending it to me, I didn't this. see him for like three weeks. I'm just like, ah! Nope. Anyways, uh, summer night. I had to wait. It sucked. Yeah. How long did you have to wait? I don't remember. That's good. It's kind of like for those of us that are still waiting for the third book in the King Killer Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. Ooh. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. No, no. We'll, we'll get mad at him a different day. I did get to see a, a fun little like five minute interview for each of them where Jim Butcher interviewed Pat Rothfuss and Pat Rothfuss then interviewed Jim Butcher. Oh, yeah, nice. Uh, during the convo with Bob is when we find out that the the dead person in question was the Summer Knight. He was the Summer Knight. And he just casually rattles it off and Harry's jaw has to be like rattled back up from the floor. <laughs> Ronald Rule. Yes. Uh, the early Bob scenes are always really good for just an exposition dump. Every mm-hmm. fantasy series, like, exposition, exposition dumps can get really tiring, but every fantasy series needs one because you yes. need to understand the rules of... Whatever is happening here. The first one you got, how potions worked Second. with Bob. Yep. Which they largely abandoned by this book. Which makes me sad because I love how... Oh, that was they sec- still come up, yeah. Second one we learn about werewolves and what different kinds of lycanthropes are and how they work. Third book is where the vampires really get take off. This is the yep. one where the, the, the fairies are exposed. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, oh yeah, you need the knights because the queens can actually do shit that aren't... Uh, that are outside of their domains, basically. <laughs> <laughs> the way all this information presented through Bob is very entertaining because Bob is always telling Harry things like he should already know them. So when he's like, okay, well, I need to talk to the queen then. And Bob goes, which one? He's like, well, Mav or Titania. He's like, what about the other ones? <laughs> uh, Bob likes to point out that Harry is kind of dumb. Yes. Like, which is a good way of, one, keeping him from being too super wizard. Because as we mm-hmm. talk about, he's always like learning and growing and getting more powerful between each book. And gives a good excuse for exposition dump. Mm-hmm. I mean, Harry's also still really young in the wizarding terms. Yeah. I mean, he's at this point in the series, in he's 30s? early 30s. Maybe Something late like thir- yeah. maybe mid-30s, but like, yeah. who knows. Um, I always kind of looked at the series in a way like, Harry's almost like an athlete who has a really promising career that you know is going on somewhere. And, like, everything pre-books was, like, his super promising, like, high school career when people were, like, Justin mm-hmm. Dumourne in particular was, like, 
we might this have This kid's gonna something. go places. Right. And then a lot of these early books, arguably up until changes, are more like his college career. Yeah, his first couple tries and not that's quite pretty, yeah, that's a good way to put it off. It. It, it also kind of feels like... And then post-changes, he's going pro and he's starting to play yeah. with the big boys. And, like, his his first season doesn't work great, and he, like, kind of floats and doesn't get picked up or drafted by any team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying changes, I would say almost more when he first becomes a warden is when he really starts Probably. playing with the big boys. I would like, agree with that. Uh, Deadbeats. Because, like, changes is huge. There's no getting around it, but there are a lot of books before that where a lot of really big wizard things happen where he's not just saving New York, not New York, sorry, Chicago... He is saving the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Changes is just the one that really blows up every... Like, the, the books are so much about balance. Changes is the one that blows up the balance. The cool thing about Changes is, is that he's not actually saving the world. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, he does. Yeah. But he... Um, so, I mean, this is still really early in his stuff. Like... Yeah. Bob might be being he's like, you're, you're an idiot, but... <laughs> yeah, not only that, but you like You have his... a lot of power, but you're not... And even then, like, before his quote-unquote college career like uh-huh. his high school career was basically he was being homeschooled yep yeah not even like that's actually a really good way of putting it Harry and it Dresden makes me think of GED. the people i know that were homeschooled and then suddenly unleashed upon the world and have no idea how to like people <laughs> yeah oh man he he took a correspondence course to learn latin which is the official like this is how we conduct business in this language, in the Wizard Council. Okay, <laughs> and so... he's bad at it. I'm glad you brought that up, because this is something I'm curious... So, I, I want to hear what your guys' thoughts on okay. this are. Because um, we haven't... This goes in the, into the, a little bit of the, the technicality, the, the minutia of the magic in this world. Mm-hmm. Wizards do their magic spells in a different language to help insulate their brain. Yes. So in case the spell, something goes wrong, the power doesn't just like short-circuit their entire brain. Yeah, oh, and also so you don't accidentally set something on fire when you're like, that movie was fire. <laughs> oh, oh God. Oh. Yes. <laughs> like, so Harry that... uses Latin. No, he uses fake Latin. He uses pseudo-Latin, as he calls it. <laughs> but, because one of but... the spells is flickumbicus. Right. <laughs> But then he also has to use something very similar when he deals with the council. Yes. Do you think that that was Harry, uh, Harry's ignorance as to how it might affect him in the future? Or was it him purposely giving a slight finger to a possible council to learn he... and continue to learn his language, uh, his magic, in a language so close to what he has when to... When he started using Latin, when he started doing spells, he didn't know the White Council existed. That's true. So, because Justin Dumorne was teaching him, uh, and as I said, Flickum Bickus, he needed to do a little tiny fire spell, and so Bick, like Bick Lighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they were... One, it's just popular to use Latin for spells, because it's a good way to make something sound old. Also, the first time he did that, he, he used a Bick yeah. to make Justin think that he did it in Justin... New and so I get. Yeah. Do you think he's continued though as a little bit of a finger towards the council? Um, Maybe. I mean, a lot of stuff he did was a finger towards the council. I don't know. It's hard to say. Although this is the first time he actually, as he says, meets the council. He has met a few wizards. He's mm-hmm. known Ebenezer McCoy. He's had to deal with Morgan. But at this point, he's also had to. He might not have met him, but he's had to deal with the council hanging over his head for years. Well, yes. Morgan specifically, mm-hmm. but which has yeah. not, you know. He doesn't have good feelings about them. This is when we first establish his relationship with the council. Uh, well, he meets all of them. Martha like. Liberty is on his side for the most part. She feels a little more neutral, but... Joe... <laughs> listens to Wynn. Listens to Wynn, a.k.a. Win. Engine Joe. 
And actually, I don't want to talk about that for a moment. It's a Native it American is, joke? It is another place where I think it is a sign that he has grown. Of He kind of makes it, oh, Injun Joe, it's okay, because the Native guy's okay with it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then later is like, I think kind of really like... <laughs> That's like fucked up, right? <laughs> I'm a white guy. I don't get to like necessarily make mm-hmm. that joke for someone else. Yeah, later in the uh, books, And they start calling him Listens to Win instead of... Largely, it's just Ebenezer who calls him yep. the, the nickname. And, like, it... He is called out for that being kind of racist. That for, for that being racist. Uh, not kind of. But then they still kind of, like, laugh about it a little bit. And in his later books, they don't do that. And it's, I think, another place where we talked about of... His growing as an author. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of men writing women, or in this case, white people writing... Not white people. Not white people. <laughs> It's also a product of the times in 2003 that would have been much more socially acceptable than yeah. it is in 2020. Right. Um, I always loved Listens to Wind because, simply because in my hometown growing up, I had, I knew a guy, he was a very close friend of the family, uh, who's, was he, was, he was in, he, everyone in town called him Injun Joe. Oh, and nice. including himself, he would introduce <laughs> himself that way. Yes. And see, I'm going to say that guy's got way more right to do it than exactly. Uh, was he like a really good shape changer? No. Okay. No, but it, yeah. I just—it's it, always just like, hey, I knew an engine Joe. <laughs> um, like I, I like the, looked after a house sat for him. Like, welcome to small town Montana, kids. We get an opportunity. For, His wife gave me one of my first jobs. Like, <laughs> we get an opportunity uh, with listens to win later in the series. For Harry to like spend time with him and learn from him, and I'm actually really sad we don't get that. I'm sad that doesn't happen. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it, it comes to really is one of my time. favorite of the members of the White Council. Yeah, I want more ancient Mai. <laughs> she was I also big in the Mai. in the TV show, so I was really surprised how okay. little like because they didn't do a whole White like the whole High Council. He just. Anytime the council was pissed off, Morgan and Ancient Mai would show up to threaten him. <laughs> my, she was a dragon in the TV show? Yep, weird. <laughs> my favorite Ancient Mai moment is, that's a foo dog. How did you get that, and who let you keep it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, we don't have Mouse yet in this no one. No Mouse just yet. Mister, just Mister. His Mister. big cat. His little cougar of a kitty cat. Very um, little Mister in this book, yeah. compared to others. Don't get a lot. Mm. He doesn't spend a lot of time in his apartment, though. That's true. Um... Okay, where were we? So oh god, he meets Elaine. He meets Elaine. Yes, uh, uh, Robert Rule. We find out he's the Summer Knight. He starts investigating the murder. And you find out about all the queens, and so he has to go. Yes, question them all. And in, in the process of doing that, we meet Toot Toot, who is going to become a big time recurring character. Toot appears in the first book. He does. Okay. Oh right, he sums him by the lake, doesn't he? Because by this point, he's starting to call him the Pizza Lord because yes. it's a little like pixie fairy, kind of what we imagine. Apparently, they is. love pizza. Which I think is hilarious. And they destroy it like piranhas. And so he trades pizza for information, and he's been sending pizza to these, the little folk, as they call them in this, for mm. years at this point. And so they are all super loyal to him, for the right, most part, in exchange for pizza. Because Morgan tries to, like, shut him down for, uh, for what, binding a fae and bending it to his will. And he's like, I, I, I paid him pizza, I, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I paid him for services. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, that came back. No, that's fine. Um, well, with and with Toot, they also bring up. We've talked to Seely and Unseely. You have Wild Fae. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Toot and all of his his crew are the Wild Fae. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you'll meet the Wild Hunt. Yes, as well. Which is not quite yet, murky. Though. Things not a yet. little bit, yeah. but the Wild Fae can get called one side or another. Mm-hmm. 
but are a lot more neutral than the Fae that are always in yeah. one corner mm-hmm. or another. Um, he calls Toot because he needs to find out how to find the queens. And after bargaining, they get a teeny little melody. Fairy. Elodie. Elodie. That's Elodie. Elodie. Elodie, yes. Uh, to, to lead him to first the uh, Winter Lady, uh, the youngest of the queens, and the uh, Summer Lady. And that's how him and Billy end up going into the, oh my gosh, what's it called? The under... The under... Not the under... The under... The under... The under, the under I think it, it is, is the under right. city. Under city, yes. It's right. Taking it. Um, <laughs> also, yeah, so so we finally get to... Actually, we see Grimalkin for the first time. Yep. The little, You're right. Little cool that was one of my notes. I was that. like, ooh, Grimalkin. Yeah. Uh, well, and while, while minor, we still see some of them throughout it. Uh, we deal with like an entire nest of them in one of his um, short stories, which is really cool. And then you meet the Grimalkin... Yes. Later. Much later. Uh, I don't think that's still cold days, but... Uh, that is cold days. That is cold days. And then, yeah, the Undercity will come up a lot in the next book, as opposed mm-hmm. to just, again, every time you read this book, you need, like, I read the next book, and I'm like, God, I need to go back one yeah, book. Yeah. Like, um, so he meets Maeve, the Winter Lady, and uh, Jenny Greenteeth. We, we meet Lloyd Slate, the Winter Knight. He's a heroin addict. He, uh, largely forced on him, it seems like. And, and... and we get a piece of the puzzle... When Lloyd delivers something to Maeve, we don't realize what it is, but but we get a piece of kind of the overall mystery mm-hmm. in this scene. Um, Maeve will start something that becomes a theme anytime Harry runs into Maeve, and that's "Let's get down, yo." And he's like, "No, <laughs> we're gross. Stop that!" Like, and Harry dumps a pitcher of freezing water in his pants because <laughs> a lot of him's like, "No, that's not weird or gross at all. That's he's amazing. Like, I'm please, actually, I'm please, right this. now, let's go." <laughs> <laughs> and he knows that that's a terrible idea. Um, yeah, so they then, they get out of there. Yep, and then they meet the summer summer lady. Well, before that, actually, they get out, they get back to Harry's car, and mm-hmm. we find right. Elaine, like, wounded, up. really, really messed up, and needs help, and she doesn't want to go to hospital, and she's like, take me to the summer lady, Aurora. <laughs> uh, and then Elodie leads them there, and... Harry meets uh, some young fae woman going, coming out of the elevator, and they go up there, and he goes through some interrogation stuff. We meet some cool summer characters. He finally realizes how much he's hurting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we, we find yeah. out that that same fae woman is actually Aurora, and she uh, we find out later that this is kind of a gambit, a, a, a distraction, Yeah. but she essentially releases his, his dam, I suppose. Of all mm-hmm. the like feelings he's been holding back, and it's actually a very important moment for him, and it does succeed in kind of like moving him, uh, his path and thought process and stuff. But it, it comes lets back, him fine. move the plot forward. It does like in a way that he wasn't going to be able to before. Yeah. Um. I don't want, as I said, I don't want to go through scene by scene by scene on this book, yeah, just I because I want it. you to read the book. Yes. As Good much point. as we Good could point. easily go scene by scene by scene, there is one last point that I do want to talk about. Which is where he unicorns, really... changelings, <laughs> also changelings. Those. Okay, let's talk changelings and then mine, which is um, where he opens up to Murphy and actually Murphy becomes a character in the story instead of a plot point. Yes, but okay. So changelings. What are changelings? So changelings in the Dresden universe are uh, they're essentially half breeds to put it in like a kind of crude way, um, where. Some kind of fairy creature mates with some a human usually, mm-hmm. and they create a child. And that child now has the choice of embracing their face side or becoming purely human. 
Um, Merrill. Merrill. Merrill? Merrill? Mm-hmm. That's how it's Merrill. pronounced by James Marsden. Okay. So that's I, what I'm I was, going with. I, um, Merle is the more like masculine. And, Merle. And Merle, or Merle is a lady, so Merle. Merle. Merle's the um, name of one of my uh, mother-in-law's cats. Uh, I, I remember really liking Merrill the first time I read the book. Mm-hmm. And then I read it again and I was like, I love her. She's a great character. Um, and she was probably my favorite of the changelings that we meet in this book. I thought you were going to say you didn't like her and I was going to be like, what the no, fuck is I wrong really with you, man? She's, like, she's just, she's... Well, she gets better upon reread mm-hmm, quite mm-hmm. a bit. We, we find out that her dad was a troll. So she's got some troll-like qualities. She's very big. She's very strong. She has a temper. Even without uppercase C choosing, exactly. she tends to become a bit more trollish every time she gives in to her anger. Yeah. And, you know, we meet Fix, we meet, well, we don't meet Lily yet, but she's one of them. We, she's the pretty mm-hmm. girl in the picture. Uh, and, and Ace, who, all of these are going to be recurring characters. Not Ace. Wait, Ace, is? Ace shows back up. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Where's Ace show up again? Cold Days. Yep. Oh, God, you're right. That is... Um, and, I've uh, only read Cold Days once, so... Oh, man, it's a good read. You should read it again. Yeah. Uh, it, uh... So we, we learn about them. They think Harry is like gonna try and kill him. So Merle actually beats the shit out of him the first time. <laughs> That's she, like, the bit with us talking about earlier. Like throws him into an axe. Like, yeah, uh, there um, you go. And yeah, eventually Merle's actually like Lily's missing. Can we pay you to like go find her? And he's like, Oh god, I can't. I don't need. Yes, okay, I need money anyways. <laughs> and also, girl needs help. And Harry Dresden is right. Girl, he can't. Girl, point, he, girl. He can't say no to a a woman who needs help. Final bit to talk about, because I think, in my opinion, it is the most important scene in this book for the overall progression of Harry and progression of where the book is going to go, mm-hmm. is he's all of this stuff's going on. He starts to have the dam break, as you mentioned, from Aurora, and he's like, I need to talk to someone, and he's like, shit, I need to talk to Murphy. Yes. And mm-hmm. he calls Murphy, and he tells her... Everything. Everything about the White Council, about the real na- about the war with the vampires, about because before this she knew there was magic and he was a wizard, but and that he wasn't telling she, her a bunch. She's well, seen I'm, some monsters. She knows. I mean, she got she got attacked by a psychic entity, so she knows that there's bad stuff out there. This is the first time Harry's completely frank and honest about what's out there, and that like her job is to deal with this stuff in there is the department she works in. always a point with the Harry's side characters where they reach the point of no return. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's like, he always gives them an out of like, I will tell you, you have earned that right, but you have to be sure. Yeah. And they're always like, fuck you, you should have told me a year ago. And he's like, mm-hmm. that's accurate. And then tells, and then their life slowly gets subsumed by all this. Because once you're in, you're in. Mm-hmm. See, so for me, I liked the scene. But this one left me wanting because I like Dresden and Murphy's interactions. Mm -hmm. And when you get up to how him telling her was actually written is you get two sentences of, and then I told her, and especially about the White Council, and then she's reacting to it. Mm -hmm. And the thing is about knowing, (laughs) knowing about the supernatural community in the Dresden verse makes you a giant target. Mm -hmm. Just knowing Mm-hmm. And I wanted more of her little reactions to what he was saying when he's laying it all out. I get that, but also stopping the book to retell the last three books would have been fucking terrible, would to be honest lot. with you. It would have been a... It just completely disjointed the book. This, so I get why they made the choice, at least. This also is kind of the beginning of something that happens a lot. Uh, it's... This is the first time Harry dumps on Murphy 
everything that's going on and, and, and exists, right? But this happens like five more times, I feel. Dumps in, on in, Murphy. In different books mm-hmm. where it's like, Oh, because there's always like I don't I want to tell you, but like it, you can't handle it. I'll tell you. He if does you the superhero the TV thing a lot, uh, where so, he's like, I can't tell you this for a season. Yeah, fucking tell me. Fine. It's not until like <laughs> I want to say, probably oh, was it Turncoat? Two or three more books away at least uh, until like this finally stops and Murphy's like in 100 percent in. Like not that she isn't, but that Harry is like hesitant to bring her in on stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah, it's it's a while until this actually doesn't happen once a book for the next few books. Well, at a certain point, <laughs> it's hard for her to not be in on things, especially once she's sleeping with Kincaid. Mm-hmm. <sighs> he, Jim Butcher keeps teasing that we're going to get a Hawaii story. Oh, my God. Please. He's teasing about the Hawaii story. <sighs> He's a real jerk about it. <laughs> oh, Also, I love Kincaid. I do too. He's a great character. And 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 simply because of Kincaid, I wanted to point out that Changeling is only with Faye and with other things you get, like, Scions. Yeah. Uh, Kincaid is introduced next book, right? He's introduced... Yeah, because he's introduced in the same book that Susan comes back, where he Mm -hmm. has to do the big duel with Duke Ortega. Mm -hmm. Weird series, guys. Lots of shit happens. Lots of cool stuff. It's never one thing that's going on in any of these books. Yeah. One Usually of, they tie together, but it's never just one thing. The The plot <laughs> point is kind of a Guy Ritchie film of, like, 14 things are happening to Dresden. And he's like, mm-hmm. son of a bitch. Uh, I'm actually honestly really impressed with how well we've been able to lay out all of this. Yeah, because there's so much shit. Mm-hmm. I guess we can, we can kind of sum this stuff up pretty quickly in saying that in regards to Summer Night, this book, he ends up talking to almost all the queens. He, he talks to... Uh, Mother's Winter and Summer. Uh, he doesn't talk to Mav and Titania. He does not. Not in this book. Um, but he sees them as their... Spoilers here. But drawing up their battlefield. Because mm-hmm. the thing that has gone missing is the mantle of the Summer Night. Which is a big imbalance of power in the, the two courts. And again, balance. Everything exactly. It's all has to be balanced. Um, and honestly, what's happening here is... The, like. Depending on who ends up being having more power at the end of this, with this mantle being gone, either going to be absolute bananas climate change in regards to everything new burning, ice age or, or a new ice age. Yeah, they're uh, like uh, a lot of life. And they're like that's good, right? And I'm like, well, if you're an Ebola virus, that's great. Like, but uh, largely, yeah, because man, we are going on a long time about this. Um, is Harry finds out that like he has to stop it. <laughs> that's, that's always it. Harry yeah. takes, especially in these early books. Harry takes what looks like a small job. Mm-hmm. It ends up being 15 large jobs all wrapped yes. up in one. Uh, he realizes that it's too big for him, reaches out to Morgan, and that's that's where your anger came in earlier. Where Morgan's just like, oh, fuck yourself. And he's like, no, really. He's like, very you're, war. You're he's just like, trying to get out of this, and blah, blah, blah. And then he hangs up, and Harry's... Sometimes Harry's angry, like maybe more angry than I think he should be. And this one, I'm like, I feel you, man. <laughs> that was some bullshit. <laughs> Uh, um, especially in these early ones, they need to come up with a plot point of why the wardens don't yes. just jump in. Elaine betrays him again. Elaine saves him at the same time. <laughs> that happens a lot. That happens like four times in this book. Uh, yep. Uh, and yeah, I love Elaine's uh, magical accoutrements. It's so cool compared to his. Mm-hmm. He uses super classic staff, staff blasting rod. rod. They're phallic foci, as she says at one yeah. point. And she uses like rings and a necklace. I mm-hmm. want to say like. 
bracelet and the slave ring That's it. and stuff yeah. like that. Later on in the series. What is a slave ring? Sorry. What's Oh, so a slave ring is when you have a bracelet and it's attached to a ring by a chain. Oh, okay. cool. Okay. That's essentially her blasting rod, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Or is that her shield? Oh, I think it I might think be her shield. shield. Either Which either. hand does she wear it on? I don't remember. Oh, guys. It's not her left <laughs> hand. This is the one that projects energy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but you were saying later on in the series. Oh yeah, later on in the series, she has a, a she has like this cool chain belt that is uh, essentially a blasting rod for her. Is what mm-hmm. she uses it as. She's got a cool wand for a staff. It's, it's, it's neat. It's very neat. Customized. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, everything is very personalized to the wizard, which I think is mm-hmm. great. Because like, then when you get to meet more wizards too, you're like, oh look, that's how they do yeah, their it's, thing. It, it's always a good touch. It's why the Harry Potter fandom is always like, what wand do they have? Even though it it comes up, but it doesn't like define the wizard in the same way that it does in. I also just remembered this is the Harry first Justin? book where we see Ramirez. No, we don't meet Ramirez yet. We don't meet him, but he's there. Oh, yeah, he's you're an right. Apprentice. He's wearing a brown robe. He's the one who's laughing at Harry being a jackass. <laughs> Shit, that's right. <laughs> and oh, then we meet him me. in... I've been debating of, am it's... I going to jump to the next book? Because I know I'm going to read more now. Mm-hmm. Or uh, do I jump to the one where we meet Ramirez, which is the Necromancer one, which is Dead one beats. of my favorite. It goes It goes. Uh, the next book and then Deadbeats. Oh, I might actually go with the next one yeah. then just to... Death Mask and the Deadbeat. Oh, Death Mask's so yeah. great. I'm not as fond of the Denarians as villains, so... I am. Super. It's specifically the the big guy. Nicodemus? Yes. And that relationship. It's very fun to think about what... If he had gone a different path in a future book. Not Nicodemus, but Harry. Yeah. That's very fun. Mm-hmm. He had kind of three options, and they were all super cool. Um, and do, do we, God, just... we could go into so much detail, because I'm like, I like... I like the introduction of the Denarians just because of uh, Lash's impact on mm-hmm. a different book. Let's save that for a different one. Um, in regards to the rest of Summer Night, there's a battle scene on a we, cloud. It's cool. We could we could we could lay out everything, but at this point, I think we'd be giving away a lot of really big important things. Yeah, like a, and we want people to read this book. Yes, and also we just we set would up be all the bare three hours. Like yeah. it's. <laughs> This hour and a half of talk, we've literally just set up all the bare bones things that you need to understand the book if you're jumping in just now. How, how I'm curious about that. Do you think that people could jump in on I think this you book could, and be okay? I think you could jump in on this one. I, I think, think so some. Too. I think some of the things you'd be a little bit confused about, but they bring them up often enough that you would get the general shape of things. Read enough. a synopsis of Stormfront, Full Moon, and Grave Barrel. Yes. Grave Peril. I would actually personally say jump in on Grave Peril, even though I think this is a stronger oh, yeah. book. Read Grave Peril because Michael. Michael, yeah. Michael. Oh, is shit. The Knights of the Cross. Point. Yes. It, it's some really important stuff comes up in that one that... Perry gets a baby you... named after him. Even with that, I think you could jump in here. Yes. That's fair. I'll give you that. I'm just thinking you should read it because Michael is my favorite supporting character in the series. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, fair. 100, yeah. Uh, he's not mine, but he's Murphy, top three. Murphy ends up becoming Harry's, like, best friend, number one confidant. Girlfriend. Eventually. And, like, we don't even see that, really. They just smooch once. Uh, but Michael is, like, when Harry is at his lowest, he goes to Michael. That one scene in Skin Game always makes me tear up. Every single time. The first time when he goes to Michael, when he's, he just is like, I'm lost. Mm. It's amazing. Oh, it's so good. Uh, mm. Michael is a s- extremely Christian character, and that always makes me nervous. Not because I'm like, no, Christianity is bad, but because 
it is really easy to write that character really badly. But he didn't. But he didn't. Nailed yes, it. like, <laughs> a lot of times when the person is that Christian religious, I find them obnoxious. And with Michael, I get why he well, I mean, likes Michael so much. He basically, yeah, I was gonna, this is a, a giant stretch, but I think you're, you guys are gonna get what I'm getting at. Like, he wrote Michael the way, not that Jesus is wrote about, but the way that Jesus was wrote. Yes. Yeah, I'll give it that. <laughs> I'm gonna kick some ass if I need to, but I'm gonna be like, and not a just real that he's not, person, he's not pre- he's just doing it. I mean, he's just going and doing it. Like it's <laughs> like I'm, I'm not like yeah, okay, I'll give you the Sermon on the Mountain. He sort of leaves off What's... that shit, but he's like, and but then I'm also going to go like wash some whore's feet, and that's the Michael we get. What's like, Michael's last name and vocation? He's a carpenter, and he's Michael Carpenter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Michael's this book is an, not subtle, people. Michael's an incredible character throughout this entire series. Michael is always there to help Harry when he needs it, but he's also there to help Harry when Harry doesn't want the help. Mm-hmm. And to help Harry emotionally as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also the only character I can think of that is really strong enough that he can uh, deal with Harry as an equal or like, I will kill you if I need to kill you mm-hmm. if you're going down this dark path too far. Mm-hmm. Like, Billy the Werewolf, as much as I love Billy the Werewolf, he cannot do that. No. If Harry went up against Billy, Billy would be screwed. Yes. If Michael went up against Billy, not Billy, if Michael went up against Harry, Harry might win, especially in the later ones, but like, it it would still be such a close run thing. Harry wouldn't survive fighting Michael whether or not he doesn't die. Yeah. Neither one would really walk out of that fight. Yeah. Like... The character we know as Harry Dresden would be gone if they even got to that point. Mm-hmm. And, and Michael helps him stay there. There's a scene in one of the later books, uh, I think it's the Necromancer book, so two books from now, mm-hmm. where he basically, like, challenges Michael to hit him, and it's one of the most uncomfortable scenes oh, uh, in the series. It's, it's, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's actually quite a ways down the road. It's a, uh, it's the one after turncoat. It's the one where he forgets about parts of his item, like people have been yeah, messing yeah. with his memory. Is that one called Winter Night? Possibly. That's it's, a pretty good book. It's another one where he's he's working for Mab. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because Mab makes him forget about yeah. stuff mm-hmm. to keep him from. Yeah. And he simply says, "Where's your blasting rod?" And Harry, like, God, <laughs> and he goes from like, "Michael, I need you to trust me." What the fuck is wrong with you? To like, well, I owe you an apology. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> it would appear I was wrong. <laughs> In the context of like the Vampire War, I also just love that Michael, if they needed to, is throw could also ever be thrown in as a heavy hitter because I always just remember the, like vampires lighting on fire, they just touching from him. the light of his sword. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was always just in my head, like, I'm like, whenever well, the vampire war stuff was happening, I just always imagined, like, if they were just on a battlefield full of vampires, you could see Michael just cutting through them Dynasty this, Warriors stuff. There would just be, like, explosions of Tarantino blood in the I, distance. I have, like, like, a very strange, but it's important to me, uh, correction here, is that Michael doesn't actually have uh, Amaratius when that happens. They touch him. Yeah, they touch the him. the light of his faith, like, ruins them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's incredible. I love it. I believe they burst out of their, their skin suits. Yeah. Yeah. Or one of them does. And just thinking about Michael's 
uh, heavy hitting prowess on the battlefield oh, yeah. with his dude's got pecs. Yeah, he's like Lots he needs pecs. to eat more uh, wheat germ or something. I believe he... is the line he says. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, read read this book. Yeah, that's yeah. what we're, oh. we're we're getting to. We're <laughs> an hour and a half here. Let's kind of wrap this up. Do we have any final thoughts, any one of us, about the Dresden Files? And... Read it. Yeah, <laughs> that's my yeah. final thoughts. Okay. They're also easy reads. Yeah, they're not difficult. They're enjoyable, but it, they're not... It's fun watching Jim Butcher come into his own as an author. It's it's fun watching uh, Harry unravel his like mad plans mm-hmm. later in the series when he really starts having mad plans. Jim Butcher is a big fan of like the big meeting, like, well, here's the plan, guys. And then at the, the end of the book, it's like, all right, let's rewind for a second. And you learn all the stuff they put down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's very cool. Uh, Jim Butcher's actually going to be at MizCon this year. Uh, what? Yeah. God! <laughs> uh, MizCon, Missoula Comics and Games Convention. There's almost no comics involved, so I don't know why they keep using that. But Well, I mean, there's an uh, entire booth there that has comic books. Fair enough. Other other than Muse Comics, <laughs> it has very little to do with it. Uh, we actually are hoping to do a MizCon episode with one of the MizCon running be here people. For MizCon? Uh, I will be here for MizCon. Okay. I, I am not taking time off for events this year. Yeah. Uh, there, there's stuff. a big Bellagarth event the same mm. weekend as MizCon, and those of us that like do both are like, ah! Why? Yeah, I'm like, well, oh, I have mm. to work it and also work it because Bellagarth and Muse. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, most a lot of you who are listening are listening from Missoula. So, hey, here's your chance to meet this guy we're talking about. Oh, my God, he's awesome. He's, he's yeah, supposed he's to really love this event because it's a really low-key event because we only ever pull in a couple hundred people. Mm-hmm. Other than the year Martin showed up. You guys should ask my boss, Jason, about the time he met Jim Butcher. Not knowing it was Jim Butcher. <laughs> yeah, we should get Jason on here. We should get Jason, Jason on here. I'll bug him next time I see him in the store. <laughs> I'll uh, see him on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, uh, so meet Jim Butcher. Read Jim Butcher. Enjoy Jim Butcher. Mm-hmm. He does other series. Um, I didn't care for the Codex Alara. You really liked I, it. I'm a big fan. It. I love it. Uh, uh, I also shout out to his... Uh, he only has one book in it right now, but it's supposed to be a trilogy, and I can't remember the name of it all the of a sudden. The Windless something or something uh, like that? The first book is named... Oh, God. I'm not prepared. <laughs> the Windless something or other. Yeah. But it's, it's, I haven't read it yet. It's steampunky, except uh, take away the steam and replace it with, like, crystals. Oh, cool. It's Ooh, crystal, crystal punk. punk. Yeah. Uh, it's very cool. This, is, this book is where we actually see that Jim Butcher can write in a totally different style, but still good. maintain, like... Who's who's writing it? Yeah, Every, it's just everybody's in it, in it is British. Like that's just how I imagine it. It's very Victorian because mm-hmm. steampunk. steampunk. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, cats the, can talk. The Alera is uh, Roman Legion meets Pokemon. Yeah, it's great. Uh, he wrote that on a bet, and is even more uh, <laughs> defined by the rule of awesome than even Dresden very Files. much so for. For a book based on a bet of you can't mix Pokemon and the Lost Roman Legion together, it is. I am impressed. I just it didn't it didn't click with me. Again, you don't have to. Just because I don't like something doesn't mean it's not good or that other people don't enjoy it. I know you're busy. It just means that you're you wrong. Try reading the third book sometime. That's <laughs> what it really got going for me. That's fair. That's... If you hadn't read second, I'd say you don't need it. Read a synopsis. <laughs> um, before we take off, is uh, what what recommend. What recommendations do we have for people this week? 
Uh, mine, I feel, goes along in line with Dresden, and I would recommend the uh, the Iron Druid books by Kevin Hearn. Oh, you were telling me about this cool. yesterday. Um, they're also modern fantasy, and it follows this guy who is 2,000 years old, uh, or more, 4,000 years old? Mm-hmm. I can't remember how old he's supposed to be. He old. Uh, but he's the, the last druid, and he's managed to survive this long because... He has a deal where the Morgan has first claim on his soul, and she kind of is fond of him, and so she's basically hasn't allowed him to die, um, and gave <laughs> him like some it. secrets to uh, extend his life through herbs and stuff. So he's still in his youthful vigor of like early twenties. Oh, nice. He's um, not like four hundred years old and can't die, but is like ninety basically. Please kill me. <laughs> um, and is also enough of a badass that. Uh, <laughs> Druid magic is all about binding, and he's bound his aura to iron. Interesting. So That's a good lot of supernatural... That's a big anti-faith thing right yeah. there. Yeah, a lot of supernatural things really can't even stand being in his presence. Nice. Uh, it's, it's really, really well done. Uh, a, very Dresden-ish. It's a, not as much like uh, face stuff, but... Uh, on on the edge of Fey stuff deals with some other mythologies, uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun, and just the magic system there is also a lot of fun. Uh, all the things that you he figures out how to do with binding alone is interesting to bind them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna go with I just started watching this Miracle Workers: The Dark Ages. It is the second season of a show called Miracle Workers, starring Daniel Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi. Oh God, which yes. that. That team up alone is oh, amazing. That show. Yes. Um, I saw trailers. I have not seen the first season, which is a completely different storyline. In that one, Steve Buscemi is God and Daniel Radcliffe Great. is an angel. Excellent. Who has to like convince God to care again. Cool. And then in this one, Daniel Radcliffe is Prince Chauncey, this really kind of like spoiled, useless, spoiled, duck-obsessed, and yeah, pretty uh, uh, stuck-up guy. <laughs> son of like this really like dark, badass king. And then Steve Buscemi is, I think I think his name is Steve still. Steve St- Shit Shoveler. And he is the Shit Shoveler. And it's mostly about his daughter as opposed to Steve Buscemi himself. Okay. The character's daughter. But it's this really peasant family and this really, and like, super rich prince who's still a terrible person. He, uh, and it is just a comedy about these two families in this, the dark ages. And if you were looking for any kind of historical realism, this is not the show for you. And the plot isn't really about anything yet. So I'm really, but it's just episodic in nature. It is so funny (laughs) every time. Like one of the plots is, uh, one of his like 30 ducks goes missing. And that's the trailer I've seen. He he tracks it down. What? That one! <laughs> <laughs> and he, he tracks it down to, like, a poor person who has stolen the... Not stolen, has found the duck. And he's like, my one friend in the world. He's like, give me my duck back! <laughs> and he, like, tricks him into giving the duck back by promising, like, I'll give you this magic egg if you sit on this magic egg, like, in exchange for the duck. And he's like, I don't, I don't trust him to not follow us. Make it... Uh, trick him more. And he's like... You have to sit on it for a long time. And he goes, do I have to be naked the whole time? And they're like, uh, sure. Yes. <laughs> like, you do. And then 
he takes the one thing that this guy likes and leaves him to get hypothermia in the woods. And he's like, why do I feel funny? And they're like, you feel bad. That was fucked up, dude. <laughs> like, um, it, it's just, it is a, I'm not even sure where it's going. It's just weird and funny. And I highly recommend it. Nice. nice. To kind of keep it in the Jim Butcher theme, I have, well, first of all, we mentioned that I really like the Anita Blake series and, uh, that's by Laurel K. Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Especially if you're into, uh, sexy times. Um, yeah, Laurel Camden's all about the sexy vampire yeah. fucking. Yep. Good times. Love those books. <laughs> um, then, there is a book series that in like Q&A sessions, Jim Butcher, uh, when asked if he were to write in any other world, where would he like to do it? And one of them is the Monster Hunter International World by uh, Larry Correra? Correra? I don't know how to say it. I'm assuming this is not related to the Monster Hunter games? Correct. It is not. It's modern times, fantasy, monsters do exist. They're basically all jerks, and uh, Monster Hunter Inter- International is the oldest monster hunting company in the world, and uh, they kill monsters for profit. I mean, they also do it because, like, the monsters are good jerks. people, but you get you, you literally get paid to do it by the government. It's heroes for hire, great. Yes. Uh, um, it's very dark. Uh, they do something in the first book that I kind of hate, but they bring it back. If you guys ever played Bloodborne, you know how they kind of start with, like, ah, it's like werewolves and that kind of thing and then it turns into like eldritch horror mm-hmm. i hate that bait and switch because i really like traditional monsters uh <laughs> bring but, me hammer not lovecraft but uh yeah it's just it follows a now former accountant who is working for uh this company called monster hunter international jim butcher fun. i love this an accountant yes jim butcher finally actually got to write a short story for it uh Perfect. so so he's done it and it was it was good i liked it but the series took off and was so popular that John Ringo, who is another big-time author, uh, read it and was like, this is awesome, wrote three manuscripts, and then asked Larry if he could publish them. Oh, and wow. They did some editing and stuff, and they ended up working on them together. Um, but... I love how tied the fantasy mm-hmm. writer's world is. Yeah, and and he there's now a spinoff series that takes place in the 1980s. and it, Very good. I like them both a lot. It's a really good series. Excellent. Monster Hunter International. Check it out. Uh, Dickie, thanks so much for... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to just say I probably will because that sounded really interesting. (laughs) If you you like guns, yes. (laughs) Larry Career is a gun nut and so is John Ringo. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Dickie, thanks so much for coming on and talking about Dresden Files with us and whatever random shit we get distracted by. I don't think you actually like make podcasts or anything. No, I don't. There's not really anything to like advertise. No, uh... Check out Muse Comics and Games in Missoula. That's where that's one of my two jobs. I love that place. I love so that much. place. Jason Benner is a partial owner. We're actually moving to a bigger location pretty soon here. I'm so excited! About uh, that. It's it's going to be great. I don't have to get on a stepladder to pull stuff down anymore. Woo! Um, it's a little so, things in work that really make life yeah, yeah, yeah. life worth it. Um, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much all. Uh, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. If you yeah. guys want to talk about another Dresden book, I'm happy to come on. Uh, I mean, if nothing else, we should probably talk about Dresden again when that book comes out. We should. Oh, yeah. We're talking about the book itself, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't have anything of Dickies you can check out, but you can always check out our other stuff on the Earworm Network. That's right. You can head over to www.earworm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. You can check out all of the shows on the network. Hear me over on Fried Swarms talk about horror movies. You can hear Zach over on The Art of Wargaming talk about... Sun Tzu and Machiavelli and Wargaming. Wargaming. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> Warhammer, Bellegarth. Yeah. Uh, that ties together. Mm-hmm. Um, we got more stuff coming down the More the shows pipe. coming. Uh, if, you, if you're only interested in the general nerdery stuff, just generalnerdcast.com. 
uh, all the earworm stuff will still be linked up at the top, but that's where you can find our archive, all the past episodes. I mean, technically, it's a blog if we ever decided to use it like one. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> we are not good at the social media side of this, kids. That's right. Uh, and the social media stuff, uh, search for General Nerdery. You'll find it, except on Instagram currently. Because we cannot get that done. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We don't use those a bunch, but we'll release new episodes. Uh, drop us a subscribe would be super useful. Drop us a review. In theory, five-star reviews give us better exposure. But honestly, just give us a review. Tell us how we're doing. I would love to hear from you guys. Tell us about episodes you want to do. That's why we did the Superman episode. It was requested. Um, and if you have weird nerd questions, please send them to us. They're at least so helpful for a future project we are working on. By future project, read podcast yeah it, it's a pod. podcast do you guys have twitter or facebook or instagram we do, uh you were not listening like 10 <laughs> seconds ago were you <laughs> um, just yeah uh general nerdery across everything nice. if you search for it you'll find us well you can find me at t dickstorm on twitter that's t d-i-c-s-t-o-r-m yeah there we go <laughs> let's give that a follow i'm super curious of what that's Dude, I, am, like. I, will uh, right I follow now. a lot of magic pro players and a lot of pro fighting game stuff oh my god you're such an interesting <laughs> dude um every time i think i know you um, one, of, one of my many nicknames is the dickstorm by the way so <laughs> i you're now followed by general Nerd. all right <laughs> uh in the meantime I'll, I'll at you folks when the episode goes up yeah <laughs> we're your generals of nerdery i'm zach i'm tyler dismissed, dismissed.